Oh, fuck, this is going to be a doozy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DestroProds.com comic book podcast. As always, I woke up 15 minutes ago. Joining me today, we have Birdie. We did this to ourselves. And Nico. Yo. <laughs> and yeah, so let's... This is going to be a rough one, I think. It's... It's... You're the we, title. We have opinions. Yeah. It is House of X and Powers of X. Powers of Ten. Actually. I fucking hate that. As Hickman was quick to mention on the interwebs. <laughs> Powers of Ten. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. That's... Fuck no. House of X, Powers of Ten. Fuck you, Hickman. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, like th- th- that's that's a Hickman tendency I don't like. Even in stories of Izzy, I like he makes he he has to he think I think he's trying trying to be cute, but it's just irritating. Yeah. Also, I feel like I should say at the top, I'm probably going to end up saying "fuck you, Hickman" a lot throughout this. Nothing against the guy. I have enjoyed his work in the past, and I have not seen anything that would make that would lead me to believe mm-hmm. he is a bad person. It's just it's yeah. just me venting frustration for comedy's sake. We'll see. Oh no, it's gonna be me venting frustration into all hell. But I'm not. But I'm not here. But I'm not here going like, "Hey, fuck you, Hickman, you goddamn son of a bitch." <laughs> well, actually, that, that is what it's gonna be. It's not gonna be me going, "Hey, Hickman, I disagree with you on a fundamental level about almost everything you believe in, and you are a bad person for believing these things." That is not what I will be saying. Yeah. No. Like. Okay, I'm gonna say this at the top before we get into this because this is my biggest pro of the book. Of ignore everything else. It, it was a choice. It was and a strong choice. Like a, Hickman it's fucking a, it's a backhanded. Yeah, it's a back. It, it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but so many comics just retread the same ground or just live in a cyclical hell that they never escape. This feels like a decision to make a change for some purpose. Yeah, which this, in big in big two comics almost never happens anymore. It, and and this is such a big deal because Hickman left Marvel, as many people know, and many people were pissed off by his departure. Not the point that not the fact that he left, but what happened when he left, which was the culmination of Secret Wars after his Avengers run. And uh, you know, I know some people didn't love that. And then when he he left, and he's been doing his indie stuff over at Image for years until he came back. So he deliberately came back to make a big deal and actually be the architect of the new line of X-Men books and direction and everything. And, and, and so much so that everybody's books that were, that came prior to this, they just left storylines dangling and didn't give a fuck. As soon as Hickman came yeah. back, they basically just like threw everything out that everybody else was working on prior to that and well. said, hey, we're, we're dropping these two series and and he was kind of like, yeah, this is Hickman. Like this was a, the reason he came back to Marvel was to shake things on, up. On the one hand, that sucks. But I remember when we were talking about those X books before the they were great. New York, they were not great. Like, no. So like at least this is interesting. Like in a way, and I know that Hickman, Hickman, like I know, like I've heard him say, like how much of a fan of Morrison he is. 
and 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 similar in that sense, a lot of people again on either side of whether or not they like Morrison's X Men when it came out. But he, there are still things he actually did during his run that have stuck to this day, like characters, ideas, yeah. concepts that have stuck around till this point in time. And that was like another yeah, shake up. I, I so, agree with that. It's just I would say if I had to compare styles, and I don't want to get too far into this because we haven't even mentioned sure. the book at all yet. It's just. <laughs> I don't know if Hickman knows how to have fun with his weirdness the way no. Morrison does. <laughs> I don't know if he, I don't know if he does, but knowing that Hickman is a Morrison fan now, this book makes way more fucking sense. Yeah. I mean, look at Xavier. Like, you know, <laughs> like this, this, like, this, <laughs> this entire book feels very much like if Grant Morrison was sober. <laughs> Just let's no take all let's take all the fun psychedelic stuff out of it and just give you a very convoluted like multi-level story, and then let's just see what fucking happens. I mean, although I would argue, I mean, this is again jumping ahead. Like once Hickman starts his run following this these two miniseries that set up the whole line on the main X Men book, he, he he's all over the place with weird ideas. Like he has one where he has Krakoa having sex with another island. Like there's 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 the whole thing about you know relationship now between Wolverine, Gene, and Cyclops, right? Like uh, there, he he's he's had some weird uh, like you know Morrison like ideas in in his book. But that, that 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 one you mentioned with is just because Hickman, like most ex people who like the X Men, are just sick of the Scott Gene Logan love triangle and just I, want to stop. I'm I'm a fan of that idea, to be honest with you. I think it makes sense. I mean, especially in this, this just, society. Isn't this Jean Grey a teenager? I don't know. I don't know. She was also wearing something more akin to her normal outfit. Uh, Marvel girl, yeah. Yeah, this yeah, shit is but, like classic Marvel girl. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, this could have been the 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 Jean Grey that resurrected again by the Phoenix right before all this shit happened. Oh. All right, no, no. I lost. I, I have now. not. I have not read X Men in forever. So yeah. the last, no. the last time I was reading X Men, Scott Summers was sixteen, a dumbass, and a and a good character again. Yeah, no, that's. Let's leave this. Let's yeah. Let's, we'll, get, into let's get into the fucking. Let's actually get into the goddamn fucking book. All of this is going to come up again as we do the book anyway. So we yes. just have to go. Yes. Hey, I, I had so, to shoot my man Hickman some bill. <laughs> So I am going to keep referring to powers of 10 as powers of X because it, the yeah. fuck you just fuck. I don't man. care. I do, <laughs> just I, fucking with you. Fuck man. I need, I need some level of consistency in this. I'm going to say it anyway. So I might as well just not even try to call it powers of 10. So house of X powers of X two series released between July and October in 2019. Six issues apiece meant to be read as one continuous story. The reading order is fucked. I do not know what the release order of this was, but I can, I can only hope, I can only fucking pray that they were released either concurrently or in something resembling reading order. According to Nico, it was released as intended to be read, but that doesn't mean the issue order 
fits with with the intent to be read. So you yeah. have to get the trade collection and read it like that. Yeah. yeah if so, you are well, one of those dumbasses who tried to read these in individual issues, the reading order, so we read this out, it goes House 1, Powers 1, House 2, Powers 2, Powers 3, House 3, House 4, Powers 4, House 5, Powers 5, House 6, Powers 6. Yeah. Why the fuck would you do that? Yeah, I mean that's how he released it, right? I, you know, I, I guess he was bouncing between the two series uh, week to week. I think it was coming out weekly for the most part when it was coming out. Um, you know, that was a choice. Uh, why though? <laughs> it was a bad choice. Like fuck, man. I don't it, get the purpose. If you're <laughs> writing this as one continuous story and you are releasing it as one continuous story, why would you write it as two separate books? He needed two books. <laughs> no, we fucking didn't. <laughs> there's, there's, there's two different ideas going on here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guess the fuck what? Stories can have more than one idea. It's a choice. <laughs> it is a choice. We're gonna, we're gonna be saying that a lot. Anyway, yeah, both books written by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, House of X, uh, drawn by Pepe uh, Lorez. Meanwhile, he's good. Yeah, meanwhile, Powers of X, drawn by R.B. Silva. Fantastic art throughout both of these series, by the way. In my opinion, I love the art. It's very Stuart yeah. Inman and yeah, I like it's great. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny, like coming this off like the heels of Invincible and like Birdie's talking about how Corey Walker kind of draws lifeless eyes because there were like. R.B. Silva, especially, there are just a couple of moments in this where eyes are just the eye. I really noticed the eyes within Powers of yeah. X. If I had to choose, I would say I like the Pepe Larraz a little bit better than the R.B. Silva, but I, I still yeah, felt I think, they were both really well done. Yeah, I, I think, think I think Larraz was a bit more consistent, but both of them had like a very, even though they were both very different books, they both like mesh their art styles very well together. So, so the book did feel like one yeah. complete story with like a complete now with like, uh, a complete, like artistic creative mind behind it. Yeah, bringing up a, a point Nico and I discussed before the show. Um, I wonder, are those lifeless eyes a failing of the art, or is it a success of the art? Since Hickman often writes his characters as emotionless robots that play out the plot, he does do that. Yeah, let's leave that for the viewers <laughs> to decide. Send in your post now. <laughs> yeah, there is many characters he writes that way, uh, you know, and, you know, you could read this and say, like, this doesn't sound like this character. It's because they all kind of sound like like dicks. Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, which is why the only characters anyone buys in this as like being consistent are like, the characters you know, who are already dicks. Xavier, like, Emma, and oh, uh, yeah, those, I, were, I he, fucking hate Emma. Oh, I, I love oh, Yeah, I forgot. I, I, I keep forgetting. <laughs> Dead Man's told me how much he hates Emma Frost before. Oh, God, he's going to eat. Oh, this must have been painful for I, you. This entire I, I, fucking I, book was, was a goddamn words. nightmare for me to read. Oh, I love her in this. <laughs> I think she's the best. <laughs> well, you see, I think I think the stuff you like, Nico, is the stuff that our pet peeves dead has both about Emma Frost specifically and also about telepaths in comics in general. Yeah, yeah. I will say this. I have had a firmly held belief for the longest time that there is no such thing as evil powers. 
Every power set is neutral except for how you use it. I have never met a good telepath. Just throughout my entire history of reading comics, I have never met a single fucking person with mind reading or mind manipulation powers that wasn't a complete cock. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. And with the X-Men, it is especially egregious because even while being complete shitters, the, in- the entire universe bends over backwards to tell me that I'm in the wrong for thinking they're bad people. Well, that's you're get, now you're getting into one of my pet peeves. That's just a, that's just X Men in general, but it is especially egregious for telepaths. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So should, we, we should probably save. Do we want to save? I know because I know some of the Emma Frost stuff you're going to bring up. Should we? We save will save that, that for when she's in the story. story. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be doing this issue by issue just because that is the format that the show yeah. is accustomed to. Um, for the sake of disclosure, normally I'm the one taking copious amounts of notes and like doing massive goddamn recaps of every issue. I didn't get a chance to do that this time because I finished this book like seven hours ago and it kind of fucked me up in a way that I had to go to bed immediately after I read it. Oh yeah. You see, you see dead. Uh, I would have, I, I should, if I had known that I would have told you to read something stupid to counteract it because I I I had that thought as I was rereading it again the like contemplative horror element to yeah. my mind but I then I then read uh Venom Sinner takes all right afterwards so I killed the brain cells <laughs> that cared about that so yeah it, while reading this book I've also been reading the webtoon viral hit which is about a scrawny nerd starting a YouTube channel where he beat where he tries to beat bullies up using fighting techniques he learned from a man in the chicken mask well, that sounds delightful. <laughs> it's very weird. We we are about <laughs> to get in, we are about to get into the middle of a massive story arc where a man is trying to start up a YouTube company to take down the idea of individual creators, and he wants our main character to join. <laughs> sounds it's, delightful. It is bizarre. <laughs> anyway, issue one. We begin with some of the most Lovecraftian-looking shit I've ever seen in my fucking life. Egg sacks opening up and just giant giant (laughs) fucking egg sacks with, like, fucking flies looking like they're inside of them, inside of a tree that is made out of goddamned meat with just a man in a fucking black Lycra onesie and a massive fucking fuck-off helmet looking as a bunch of naked people burst out of these cocoons just reaching towards him like Jesus. So... So even from the get go here, it is a weird like he's very gangly. Like the way the way he's his stances as he's like looking oh. over them is very strange looking. Like and like almost like he kind of like he he looks like right away like this should be the villain of the story. Xavier, <laughs> I will say that it looks biblical. And, and, and 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 then there's also the whole thing about yeah, yeah. there was a lot of fan theories going around because at first Xavier didn't take off the helmet for throughout like this whole thing right and you didn't really even when he did it was like in shadow so there was a theory going around at first that Hickman being a fan of the uh, that uh, evil Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe and <laughs> having used him in the in the past that this was actually him and not Xavier. <laughs> It was, it was it was a funny weird fan theory that was going around for yeah, the first I, little while. I can see that. I can yeah. I can very much see that. This guy <laughs> is real hard ultimate read energy. Yeah. 
But no. Uh, and uh, then he says the says the classic line that started the X Men. Yeah. Yes. Except now it's horrifying because it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because this is straight up eldritch horror. Yeah, it's a creepy start for I'm sure. Pre- I'm pretty sure I saw this scene in Color Out of Space. <laughs> like I think that I like instead of the X Men and Professor X, it's Nicolas Cage and some llamas. But yeah, and then we get into the issue proper, where five months previous, we see various X-Men characters, Colossus, Storm, uh, Nightcrawler, I'm assuming that's armor, Beast. Yeah, that's armor. Yeah, uh, Kitty Pride and the Cuckoos uh, planting various Krakoan plants at various places around the Marvel Universe, including Westchester, at I'm assuming the old Xavier School Grounds, the blue area of the moon, where you know there is air on the moon. Uh, over on Mars, in the Savage Land, in Washington, D.C., and then in Jerusalem. (laughs) And then those plants blossomed into massive jungle things that exist inside these buildings where they were planted, because... And look even more like Eldritch Horror. Yeah, this... And it it probably doesn't help, Dead, that the first line said on this uh, this page that said is, you look tired. It's like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have had to deal with this goddamn bullshit for the last five fucking months. This is horse shit. And yeah, so we are here meeting a bunch of ambassadors who are here who are here to get some kind of offer from the mutants because they have they have essentially the mutants have essentially come out and said, "Hey, we got these three drugs. One that makes humans live longer, one that makes your minds better, and the most effective antibiotic ever seen on the fucking planet. Give us a country." Yeah, they want to be recognized as their own nation again. Like, I mean, that that's been kind of done before, but this time they want to be known uh, like they want them to follow suit exactly with the way they want their plans to be and be left alone. Uh, but still, and in, in, and in doing so, and actually uh, making it all legit, they will offer them uh, rights to use these drugs, essentially, yeah. is, is their pitch. Yeah. First of all, one of my big points that's going to come up over and over again, fuck you, Charles. Yeah. For uh, essentially, I mean, okay, yes, you needed a political tool to get leverage to get the UN to give you sovereignty. Okay, fine. This is something I said to both Dead and Neeks multiple times. Why the fuck must they? Why the fuck must this utopian society recreate all of the worst traits of Western culture, like medicine monopolization? Because, in spite of the fact that these guys are like, "Hey, we're making our own culture," this isn't a unique culture. It's just America, except worse. Yeah, like like they they fucking harp. so goddamn hard about the mutant cu- about the mutant culture and the mutant society and how each in- and how no matter where the fuck a mutant is born cool. they are all one family all one people some cool. real fucking cult shit yeah wh- oh, which well, is you said the word for me thanks right which is this which is why like essentially i feel like they are like the villains in this story because they've flown past the fact that we're trying to like get along with the humans to now say we're superior to you and we really don't give a shit what you think. We're going to do what we need to do. It also doesn't help help that Charles pretty much admits that he always thought he was superior to humans, but that he was more kindly to them before. And now he's like, fuck it. 
Which I'm sure sits well with Dead, because Dead and I were already like, Charles Xavier's one of the greatest monsters in the Marvel Universe, so. Yeah, fuck, man. Yeah, so as the ambassador. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yes, well, as the ambassadors are welcomed in, they're welcomed in by two of the cuckoos, which is always a great sign when you're, you know, when you're, you know, like, statecraft is being done by literal mind controllers. Yeah. Well, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and she's currently, uh, I believe, manipulating the ambassador of was it Russia? I think to like <laughs> it, Emma has them helping her uh, psychologically manipulate and blackmail people. Yeah, you know because that's I, okay. Actually, that is how politics work. But yeah, like, well, like not that direct. More, it's not like more more literally. <laughs> yeah, like like a lot of like a lot of politics is just hey, let me. Hey, I've got dirt on you. Vote the way I want or whoopsie doopsie Newsweek gets it. And it's a lot less, hey, let me reach inside your mind and fuck your free will because who are you, a human? Well, by the end of this meeting, it's more so, uh, it's not even more so. It's also as well, It's it's it, 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 they do go into their minds to suss out the people that are like, you know, looking to fuck them over and not really taking them serious at this meeting, essentially. But you're right; they do they do invade their privacy of their thoughts by doing that. So in, in doing so, yeah. and trying to coerce them onto their side. But but that's essentially like there's spies at this meeting and people that are pretending who they are not really are. You find out later, and that's essentially why the cuckoos are there is to basically you know uh, fi- figure that out for them. Uh, and pretty yeah, much all but, this meeting would have confirmed is every suspicion they had from the start. So, you know. Yeah. But hey, but hey, guess the, but hey, guess the fuck what? That doesn't make it any less unethical. No. No, no, no. I'm 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 just saying like that's from their perspective. No, absolutely. From their Oh, we'll be getting it, into their fucking perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm not picking sides here. I'm saying <laughs> this is what they're where they're coming from. They, but yeah. get going though. We are only Five pages in. Yeah, as yeah. the as the cuckoos bring them in, they meet their actual ambassador, Magnet Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, he, he he's emphasized his white power. Yeah, I. <laughs> it is it is real unfortunate for me that once I realized, oh yeah, he's just Hitler. I can't not call him Hitler. Yeah. And then we get to the thing that kind of annoys me the most about like this book, the infographic pages. Yeah. Uh, so Nico and I mentioned this right before you got on dead that if you just read the story, this is a pretty breezy read. Yeah. But, uh, unless you have, unless you're dealing with the uh, abhorrent m- mental uh, uh, implications of all of this, like you were. Uh, yeah. But there's just like I didn't realize info dump could be taken quite this literally. Yeah, to there the are point where there are just literal pages of stuff that would probably be helpful to put into the story somewhere, just dumped in between the story pages. Yeah, there are so many fucking ideas in these in this story that Hickman felt the need to just stop the story in its tracks and then just. And it's it's like a fucking control dock, like from the game Control, where it's just hey oh, let's stop yeah. the, let's stop mm-hmm. the flow of the story, and then just here's some weird computer text or whatever, and then just let me lay out what the fuck is happening here. So and it gets especially and it gets so, especially fucking frustrating because half the goddamn time, 
Like, like I said, I'm not super familiar with the X-Men. And so half the time we get to these fucking infographics, it's explaining stuff that hasn't happened in the story yet and is happening immediately after the infographic. So it's me mm. getting to that thing, seeing a term I don't understand, right. Google searching that term to learn more about it, and then realize that it's happening the next page. Yeah. No, I, I get exactly what you mean because I experienced that as well. But to be fair... Hickman has done this a lot, this kind of thing. He has. And and that, and I'm I'm just that's saying not really I, helpful to death. <laughs> no, I know, but he has done the infographic thing in many of his things. The thing that I don't like is the fact that because he's the architect of like this whole X-Men direction, that all the X-Men books that preceded this, that other writers are writing, are doing this Hickman infographic thing in between the issues as well, which I don't think they need to all be like that, personally. Um, you know. I just don't think like I think it was it was okay for this, but like to have it going through all, throughout all of the ongoing books, like that's how it is right now. Like through all of the ongoing X Men books, I know Birdie, you've read some, so you're probably aware of that. But like that's that's this is throughout all the books right now is this kind of stuff. Maybe not as much as in this series, but anyways, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, and so this with this infographic, it explains what the flowers of Krakoa do, which is the three drugs we talked about. And then for mutants, instantaneous teleportation, biomes in fucking wherever, and then just tumors. I, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. And it also adds to the Eldritch Horror thing of, like, this this sentient plant is spreading across the world so it can, and to other planets so it can control or communicate with everything there. Yeah. Nothing about crafting about that. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> yes, after that, we head over to Westchester, where we get to learn more about the actual gates. Follow an info dump with an info dump. Because it turns out within every single habitat on the planet, there is... A Stargate, essentially, that only works for mutants. No, no human can go through it alone, and they can only go through it, and they can only be go through it if they are accompanied by a mutant and have been given permission. And the gate doesn't look horrifying at all with its <laughs> with its massive what? glowing red pustule like eyes. I like this idea of the uh, gates. No, again, all ghoul ideas. It's just as Dead said, we're not sure if this is supposed to be a horror story or not, because there are moments it clearly, clearly is. But Yeah, like the next page where we get to see like how this whole like infrastructure works with uh Cypher and Sage, and Cypher is holding up his hand to a wall of eyeballs. Yep. Which I think to communicate in a new language with this eldritch abomination. Yeah, I think I've seen this actual exact image in Call of Cthulhu books. Yeah, I think Caveman has run this exact story in Call of Cthulhu books. <laughs> yeah, and so we end up, and so we find ourselves in Krakoa, a beautiful vacation destination with no infrastructure, no buildings, no technology. It just is, hey, here's the woods. You live here now, child. Fuck your parents. Fuck your friends. Fuck the world. You live here. It's fine. Everything is fine. Yeah, I know. I know that, like, Marvel's whole thing is once you are a mutant, unless you are with fellow mutants, everyone hates you. But that can't be everybody. 
Well, yeah, and other there's, writers have confirmed that. There's got to be like a dude you know at McDonald's who's like cool to you. Yeah. Well, and even then, um, for example, uh, what's uh, the Runaways? Yeah. Uh, Xavier showed up. Uh, not Xavier. Wolverine showed up because he apparently thought Molly was being abused by the Runaways, and she would only be safe on Krakoa. At which point, she promptly kicked his ass. Yeah. Hundred ninety eight mutants left in the um, goddamn world, and she had to be one of them. Fuck. Yeah, or even worse, um, uh, fucking ha- uh, the crossover with Fantastic Four, where Xavier and Magneto basically just show up at the uh, Baxter Building and say, "Hey, Reed, give us your kid. We're yeah. not asking." Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> fucking happens in this book? What? What the fuck? <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, he does it here, too. I mean, when after he sees Reed, he does say that, like, Cyclops is like, oh, yeah, by the way, tell, you know, yeah. Franklin that hey, he's welcome kid, anytime. Yeah. When your kid's old enough, tell him he's got family on Krakoa. Well, that's the thing. They did, and the, 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 that crossover mentioned that, that, Reed, that Reed, of all people, makes a logical, emotional, it's like, my son was almost of age. He could have made this decision on his own, but you showed up and forced the decision. So clearly you do not have his best interest at yeah. heart, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and Reed Richards had to say that Charles Xavier was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. That's... Oh. Oh. Anyway, yeah, so... We think an island. We think a map of Krakoa, a big old island with apparently like twelve structures, only two of which are houses. Yeah, one of which is uh, it's, no. Actually, that's a that's a spoiler. Yeah, and, and so like they never really get into it. Where does everyone live? Okay, uh, so. Yeah, yeah, okay, you say you're better. You're better explaining this kind of stuff, Nico. I get details missing. Uh, so basically, they do like split them all up into different uh, like sections. So like uh, Magneto ends up getting a like a lighthouse that's off of the uh, Krakoa, and like yeah, that's, they actually that's discuss the House of X. That's right. That's the House of M, right? Yeah. So so the the rest of them, uh, all the Cyclops, the Summer House, they end up on the uh, that blue part of the moon, and they they basically all share a house. Wolverine, uh, Cable, uh, Cyclops, uh, Gene, and then the rest of them. Like, there's a new mutants. The new mutants have like a, an area on Krakoa. Like like a lot of them like live in like the, the Utopia, like on Krakoa, like on the land. But they have to respect the land. Like they talk about it in the. In the oh, government, let, let's not get into the laws. Yeah. Anyway, I have a, yeah. I have a we'll long rant on that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but yeah, they, they, there's all sections for all the different houses, and and like the Marauders are on the sea essentially the whole time. Like it's so it's it's all the groups that are all. Think, yeah, yeah that's cool. But what about like the other question? But hey, what about the that? Like are built by Krakoa. No, like it was it wasn't a question of like hey, it wasn't a question of like hey, where do these buildings come from? It's a question of hey, that green girl who was like really excited to see professor. Where the fuck does she live? Cuz she's not a member of any of these teams. She's uh, just a child real. they kidnapped. She probably lives in the indoctrination farm. <laughs> Is it the Oracle or the Grove? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so much of this is most of them live on Krakoa to answer oh, your question, though. Like, and again, one of my big notes, and Dead already said it, so I don't mind saying the word now as often as I need to to describe it. It's cult. The Cult of X. <laughs> that should be the actual <laughs> title of this book. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, in space, a bunch of aim-looking motherfuckers land on a sentinel head around the sun. 
Yeah, I think they said close to Mercury, but that means they're close to the sun. Well, no, yeah, it's 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 it is it is orbiting the sun in between the sun and Mercury. Yeah, and of course, it's a giant uh, sentinel head because every fucking thing that the X Men somehow has to come back to the fucking sentinels. Yep, fucking uh, everything. To quote your review, our riff from MK, Ben, it would be great. Robots. Yep, just robots. Like, I do. I. It's always been a thing that I've been incredulous about. But how good is Bolivar Trask at sucking dick that he was able to convince multiple government officials? that the best solution to deal with the overwhelming minority of people with powers is death robots. I don't know. And like, even at their most there, and this is something that this book points out, the mutant population is never a huge enough dip is never a big enough chunk of the species that they are as, as we've dead and I point out, they are never going to be an existential threat to humanity, no matter what the mutants themselves or humans believe. Yeah. So this, the whole argument for the Sentinels has always seemed stupid. And thus, and this was another thing, this is where I thought the book was going and where they ultimately go is slightly less stupid than this. But I originally thought that they were going in a full on Terminator direction where Skynet always appears somehow. It is still like that, though, for the most part, like in a way, like they, they, they just find a way to eat it and change yeah, the they picture. Just, they, well, they, it's never, it's not Skynet at the end. It's cosmic. Yes. Horror. <laughs> Which, again, I'm, we'll I'm more okay with cosmic <laughs> robot horror yeah. than, than Skynet. Cause I'm just sick to death of the Skynet imperative. Yeah. I'm also kind of, I also do not like how this book Skynet is just like a shitty teenager. But no, we'll, I hate Nimrod. We will get I to him. I hate Nimrod. We will get to him. But speaking of Skynet, <laughs> hey, Omega Sentinel Karima is here with these fuckers. Woo, yay. It's everyone's favorite horrible lady. Woo. I don't know, man. I just felt the need to mention that. But yeah, it's just, yeah. A, it's just a giant fucking Sentinel head inside of a ring next to the sun. But they're training to give full-on AI intelligence and sentience so that it can grow robots that can think for themselves. Yeah. That can also grow other robots that can grow robots that can think for themselves. Yeah, because, you, you know... know Self-perpetuate Skynet. <laughs> yeah, because you know what's the best fucking defense against an existential threat to humanity? Building an existential threat to humanity. Ugh, fuck. Yeah, so next up, uh, infographic page about the Orcus Protocol. The the anti the 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 ultimate set shadowy cabal of anti mutant people. Yeah, maybe the dumbest thing I've read in a Marvel comic in a while. Uh no, I just read uh I, I just read the story where Carnage takes over the internet, so I I can't say that. I didn't say that I had read in a while. <laughs> Look forward to that, people. Yeah, it is a it is a collection of people from AIM, Shield, Strike, Sword, Alpha Flight, Hammer, Armor, and Hydra. All funded from black budgets to push forward yeah, human just, interests. It's a series of bad words. Essentially, the description of Orcus is a series of bad words. 
They might as well have called themselves Badgy. Like yeah. you're a bad guy? No, no, no. Badgy. Badgy. It's French. Yeah. It's like Guy Manuel from Daft Punk. Rest in peace. Yeah. Or my favorite uh, John Claude Van Damme uh, bad guy name, uh, Villain. First name <laughs> IMC. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so it's That's just, actually real. Not the first name, but the last name's real. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, in damage control, Sabretooth is there, so things are bad. Yeah, because yep. he's stealing classified information from... Well, to be other... accurate, Toad and Mystique are stealing classified information from damage control. Sabretooth is just killing people. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's the bloody distraction. Well, he he disobeyed orders according yeah. to this, like Hobbs later on. No, he didn't. Yeah. Well, well, no. So here's the thing: he did, but they're idiots for sending Sabretooth. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like <laughs> again, add to the X Men are idiots. What? Yeah. Sabretooth killed but, people. I, they have are? known Sabretooth for like decades now. They know what he's about. But but I also think. Like he's like Bertie just uh, uh, you know made an assumption about that not assumption uh, alluded to was the fact that yeah they probably knew that that's what was going to happen with him and then they were going to use him as a scapegoat to basically say hey like this is how we're going to go about punishing people <laughs> like like, yeah, like the way that scene basically played out is they stole stuff they got caught uh, yeah. Mystique and Toad escaped. and so they let Sabretooth be caught because they still got what they wanted and. <laughs> Let a there sacrificial was, lamb they didn't give a shit about get caught. No, but that, that's, he was that's just the fucking thing. Come out looking like good guys ish. But no, that's the fucking thing. They don't because they came back and took him from his actual punishment that he deserved, and then punished him in a way that the world would never know about. Yeah, yeah, with no hesitation. getting into the philosophy thing. Yeah, that I don't want to get into yet, but yeah. we're going to have to get into which is and, uh, but. What they what what Hickman was trying to do with this scene is essentially what spy shit actually does all the time, which is everyone knows every country on the earth knows that they have spies from other countries working in their country. It's just a matter of if they get caught, they get caught then they know yeah. they can use them as leverage for something. And they're gonna deny any so, so they, like, they will, they will yeah. they will wag the moral finger of spying is bad, but everyone does it. Yeah. Like, that's just what spying is. So that I was okay with that from that concept, but as you pointed out, the philosophy of of X I can't believe I just said that. The philosophy <laughs> of X is stupid. Yeah. As they're escaping, they're attacked by one half of the Fantastic Four. So the terrific yeah, the so the half. so the terrific two. Yeah, the good half. Yeah. The ones I like. Two thirds of the likable members of the Fantastic Four. Because choice in men notwithstanding, I still do like Sue Storm. Yeah, I like Sue Storm and I like Big Grim. Yeah. Johnny can be okay when he's with Spider-Man. Yeah, he can be. When he's not being just a cock. A douche. <laughs> uh, yeah, then info, then info about damage control. It that Damage control is... Mm, I I don't. Damage control seems like a bad idea waiting to happen. Yeah, well, I mean, again, everything about the anti-mutant 
ideas the humans come up with in these stories, they scream like the problem. The solution is worse than the problem, which has always been the thing with how humans have dealt with the with, with mutants. Is your solution is worse than the problem? <laughs> if the problem exists, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, back to the back to the statecraft. Where we learn that, where we learn about, you know, more teleportation stuff. We learn about the mutant language, which is a bunch of dumb bullshit that they made that that, that then Charles Xavier brute forced into everyone's brain so they could understand it. It's fine. That's why Charles wears Cerebro around his head at all times so that he all can times. inject and inject um, thoughts into people's heads or read everyone's minds at once. It's fine. It's for the greater good. The greater good. Yeah, so they just jump around all over the fucking planet. You had to expect I would do that. Yeah, th- I know. That's why I said it. Okay. Yeah, so they jump all around the planet, and then one of the ambassadors rightfully points out, hey, um, the fuck? You have teleportation access to massive population hubs inside some world powers. That's just a military coup waiting to happen. And then yeah. Magneto is like, also- oh, pshaw, you humans. It's fine. <laughs> don't think about the implications. Just don't. Because of the implication. Yeah. And then he has to point out that it's fine because there's never been a mutant war, which <laughs> is bullshit. <laughs> that, that's the part that's just full on like uh, Charles pulling a Jedi mind trick. Yeah. The mutants have never fought. Just gaslighting the world. Well, I'm not. I'm actually kind of okay. I will say this: I don't know if Hickman avoided doing this just to make uh, Xavier's evils more sinister and insidious. But given what happens, I'm surprised Xavier didn't just mind wipe the world to get what he wanted. Yeah, no, like it, like I, he, I fully expected him to go like full Maxwell Lord and just push the thought into everyone's head that just like, oh yes, mutants are fine and we're in control. Like, fuck, man. Like, Maxwell Lord... I'll I'll ask Nico, is there any reason you think he didn't do that? Didn't do what? Like, take over everybody's mind? I mean, he's got... Not not take over everyone's mind, just, like, go full on the X-Men are in control now. Yeah, just push into every mind on the planet that, hey, this is the way things are now, and you're fine with it. I mean, he has got a he's got a uh, a bigger plan, you know what I mean? Like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, his pl- his plan is just, hey, mutants want to be fucking happy. We're gonna be our own fucking people, and then when we take over, things will be better. Yeah, like his plan. Like, okay, uh, no, no, I can't say it because the re- the reveal. We'll get there. Moira is too big. Until we get to that, I can't say this. Go. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, the, the ambassadors are rightfully like, okay, this is cool at all. When are we getting to Krakoa? You know, the country you want to found? And then every single mutant is like, you don't belong there. Thus making the thus making the country Krakoa both entirely isolationist with access to every other culture on the planet. I yeah, well, access in the sense that they essentially have built their own uh, bioweapon uh, embassies in every country on the planet. 
Yes, they, without any consent from any of these countries, built an embassy there and went, yes, this is ours now, you have to accept it. I, 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 I'm, I was going to mention this later, but the X-Men, for all, of the t- for all of the talk and the intention behind their creation of being representative of, you know, um, you know prejudiced, uh, prejudiced uh, against people. They are some yeah. of the most entitled motherfuckers in the goddamn Marvel universe. Well, this is the other thing, and this is this was related to one of the questions I asked you guys last night, which I was actually kind of surprised you guys split down the middle on this issue. Yeah, on both um, questions, we both voted on either, we both we we both split the vote. Yeah, you and Nico. Um, the question of. Which is worse? Should a character, when 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 a story acknowledges that a character did something wrong but refuses to hold them accountable for it, or a, a, a story just refusing to hold a character to admit that a character did something wrong? The problem with the X Men is that over and over again, they keep doing shit that is immoral, illegal, dangerous. And it's brushed aside on the basis of they're an oppressed minority, so it's fine. Yeah. And that's also harder to bear with the basis that most oppressed minorities can't shoot laser blasts out of their eyes or are immortal beings with metal claws. Yeah. like Or have power to manipulate the minds. Like, I want to know if any human has ever asked Charles... Do you get why people are afraid of your ability to manipulate the minds of every being on Earth? And he would be like, uh, why no? No one's asked me that. Yes. Why I is mean, that a problem? I mean, why would why would they? They know I'm a good person. I would never do that to them. I would only do that to get funding for my school. And then teach others to do that as well. Haha. <laughs> remember when I remember when I attacked the president kind of Just that whole fucking CNX two where they get into the Oval Office. Yeah, let's. The, oh Jesus, I forgot about that. Yeah, remember that? Remember that yeah. fucking thing where they where they, they threatened the head of the United States. Yeah, they just in the middle of a instead state of, of the union address. The fact, instead of saying, "Hey, um, we found out that one of your men mind controlled a mutant to attack you to push for a assault on mutants." Instead of saying, we figured that out and fixed your problem, you're welcome, leave us the fuck alone. Instead, he basically said, we are watching you, and I know your every thought, so you can't escape me. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know that mutant that tried to kill you that we never explained why he tried to kill you? He's with us now. Look, he's right there. <laughs> fuck. I feel so bad for Nico because he's just had he's he's just like shut down. Yeah, I remember like going into this. No, Ni- go ahead. I remember going into this. <laughs> Ni- like, going saying, into this, you know, Nico was like, "I don't want to just bash on the X Men." And look, look where we are. <laughs> it's okay, you guys. You guys have your fun. You guys have your fun. Right. I'm not trying to bash on the X Men. It's just it's what we're the bashing on the X Men. It's what the book gives us. That even Hickman, I agree, who is trying to change but, the status quo of the X Men, 
keeps doing without acknowledging it. No, <laughs> I no, don't get why. Do you not feel that he is self-aware of this fact, though, and this is his take on the X-Men in this story? Like, are we not going to maybe, like, give him that... You know what I mean? Like, yes. we could, we could agree, assume he's very self-aware. He no, cannot like, be not self-aware of oh, no. how like, bad they're coming off here. Jonathan Hickman, yeah. as a writer, is not an idiot. He fucking knows. This is all intentional, but it's never yeah. addressed in the book, and that's the yeah, frustrating the problem, thing. This is, this, is, this is what Nico, this dead's talking about, Nico. Even if Hickman knows that Charles Xavier is the ultimate villain of this story, Marvel will never let them go there with that. Like even Reed, even Reed Richards being a supervillain had to happen in an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that's not if that that's not going to be the outcome of this story or not yet. I hear what you're saying that they don't want to make him look like a villain, but they made fucking Cyclops look like a villain for how long? Not too long ago. Remember that whole era? Yeah, yeah Cyclops, but Cyclops is a, never... Cyclops is a cunt. Yeah, he it, <laughs> and it's acknowledged. Of, I mean, and it's acknowledged in universe that he's a cunt. Charles Xavier is a shitter who people keep well, calling a humanitarian. What I what I'm seeing here is given the opportunity. This is my interpretation of what's happening here. You know what I mean? Like, so it's that what I'm seeing here is that they are. He is. Uh, he's given the opportunity with the whole Moira thing that's coming up, and him seeing how he can actually. Like ten steps, ten moves ahead, and like the fact that like he 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 puts all these plans into place, and 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 he kind of ditches his whole whatever ideals that he was trying to mask. You know what I mean for the same better, right? So, but uh, I lost my point. But basically, what I'm trying to say is that he, I think that. He, he just loses sight completely of himself at this point because he has all this power now and, and all these, like he, he puts all these plants into place and he's just, these are people that are fed up and, and they're not, and they don't give a shit anymore. Like he's, yeah. he's basically like whatever good was left in this person. If you actually believed he was a good person at some point or that his, 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 his dream was actually worth fighting for. He's now, he doesn't give a shit anymore. These are people that were yeah. pushed too far and they're, they're just, cool. they're, you know, I don't Here's know. Thing. I agree with you because Hickman basically said word for word what you just said in an interview right. about the X Men. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, um, and this is one of my ultimate overall points, and you and I agreed on this, Nico. I have to see like this is the story of House of X slash Powers of X because fuck you, Hickman. I'm not calling it Powers of Ten. Um, <laughs> is it's a great starting point for a potential story. I don't think it's a complete story, so it's hard for me to judge completely on its own, which is why Dead and I keep dithering talking about specific aspects of this, because it's hard to talk about this in a complete format until it's over. Yeah, we're, we're essentially reviewing act one of a story. Right. And I was mentioning this to Birdie before recording this. No, you're not wrong. That's what I mean. Your your points are all valid. I get where they're all stemming from. And, and there's things in these stories that bring these feelings up, maybe that you had about these characters. And of course, you got to discuss them. I, I'm just I'm saying have at it. I don't. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I understand. No, I agree. But, it's but just, I, but I also, like to add to your self awareness point, um, Moira flat out states that. Um, in the story that Charles Xavier is an arrogant douche with a god yeah. complex, but. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, she says but, that. Uh, yeah. The people. My question then becomes: Why do people always think Charles Xavier is the one who should save mutant kind? When I can think of, off the top of my head, at least twenty other mutants who could lead the ex- mutant kind to a better future than Charles Xavier and the particularly the fucking Council of Mutants that are in control at the end. Yeah, I mean, fuck, like. The literal murderer they have on their team led the school Which better one? than Xavier ever did. Yeah. Which one? Wolverine. Wolverine. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he's the a killer. Fu- I mean, the yeah, fuck- for sure. The yeah. fucking surly barbecue dad of the X-Men. He doesn't seem I, I actually that's one of my that's one of my least favorite characters he writes in this. I he doesn't seem like Wolverine in Not this. Not at all. Like, well, he, no, like, yeah. Wolverine is one of the most human morally morally he, like, yeah again, yeah wolverine of all people is a much more moral character than charles yeah. xavier so absolutely it, yeah the absolutely. fact that he's just going along like that's the other thing that I, I i guess this again this is part of the whole act one thing a lot of the characters that just go along with all of this thinking it's fine i would think some of them would question it at least a little bit unless uh Unless they all drank the Kool-Aid before the story uh, even started for some reason. Yeah, I'm told. I, I haven't read it yet, but I'm told that new series that they just launched, Way of X, which is the Nightcrawler book. Uh, and oh. I think that <laughs> apparently that's the one that addresses a lot of this shit that you're 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 saying about how like. Yeah, he's which is actually, also why it's written by someone other than Hickman, if I recall. Yeah, yeah Cy Spurrier is writing it. He's a great writer. That have pointed yeah. out problems with the book. Aside from like the obvious plot problems that Hickman built into his own book, which we'll get into in this discussion, um, uh, they have to be written by other writers. Yeah. Oh, uh, I will get to Nightcrawler. But we, <laughs> but we need to go. We need to go. Come yes. on. <laughs> we we are an hour in, and we haven't finished the first issue. <laughs> so, back in New York. Toad and Mystique get away. Sabretooth gets captured. And Scott Summers comes out and goes, hey, what's up? Let's shoot the shit. Hey, give me that murderer. Amnesty, bro. And then Reed, you know, upstanding citizen Reed Richards, <laughs> points out, hey, Sabretooth just murdered no less than nine people. And broke, like, several international laws. Yeah. yeah. And then... And then, and, then, and, and Scott's just like, eh, come say, come say, bro, give him to me. I, he kind of gets, he gets pretty sassy at that point. He's just like, he's like, I can feel, I can see how strongly you feel about this. He then like struts off. <laughs> just like, yeah. whatever, bro. That, that, that's more the, that's more the, um, that's more the, uh, uh, Cyclops that Dead's familiar with. That's more the Cyclops that in the Fantastic Four X Men crossover, Nico, if you remember, yeah, yeah. goes up to Kitty Pride and says, Hey, we don't have anyone going to see Reed who could actually empathize with any of those characters. We need you to come along to serve that purpose because we can't. Yeah, I, I, am, in, I am incapable of human yeah. emotion. The artist just depicts him smirking at him the whole fucking time, though. As soon as he strolls up, he's like, ah, how wonderful. The Richards family. And he's just like, yeah. so uh, <laughs> just, just the way he addresses them. So, yeah, well, because he, he like, all of the X-Men and this came up. I don't know, Nico. I, I, I actually I know you did because you comment. You commented on my Twitter post about it. Um, uh, The post of re of charles xavier just saying welcome reed i'm glad we've put all this behind us and oh I just yeah posted, like like we don't know what reed said to him but i'm fairly certain <laughs> said 
Thank God you made me look like less of a monster than you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This whole fucking interaction is real weird. Like again, emotionless robots. We, we, well, no, no, it's not emotionless robots. Like Sue storm looks like she's flirting with Cyclops. Yeah. I, I, there's I just, don't know why, given what's happening, I don't know why this is lighthearted. <laughs> well, it's lighthearted so that he, so they can make the turn as soon as they say, like, hey, you're not taking fucking Sabretooth. He's like, all right, sick. I'll back for your kid later. Which also shouldn't be lighthearted, given the way he phrased that. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I made it way more lighthearted than, than, than it actually was. <laughs> because cause, like, the actual line is, please greet your son for me and tell him when he's ready. He has family on Kokoa waiting for him as it just shows the fists of both of his parents. One of them clenching like, how dare you say that to my child? The other one saying, how dare you try to take my property? Yeah, he's just trying to be a smart ass. Like, he's just like, yeah, OK, we'll we'll get you later. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah, well, you know, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he, yeah. Anyways. And then we're back in Jerusalem. Where, hey, surprise, surprise, the telepath has been violating everyone's privacy rights and individual and individual psyches to read their minds and learn all of their state secrets. Because guess the fuck what? These people have no morals. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. And in this, we learn that uh, China's down. I'm assuming France is down. Uh, Russia is down. No, Russia's very is down. Yeah. While Russia is down, this person is very much not. Yeah. Uh, well, gee, I can't imagine Russia in its history ever imagining a foreign power invading and doing what they want. And also, Miko, if you recall what happened in X-Force in Russia because of fucking Beast. <laughs> oh, is that the little hatchlings, those creatures and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Genocide, dead. Yeah. Well, beast, that, you know, be, beast, beast is like the Reed Richards of the X-Men. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's just full on Joseph Mangala here because he's like, he's like, ooh, interesting. I wonder what this will do to the human biology. And 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 I love Beast. I'm not saying he's like Reed Richards. I'm saying as the scientist that's too smart for his own good that doesn't get it. Like you know what I mean? Like that keeps yeah. continuously no, fucking again, things up in the of, name of science. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> but like again, speaking of recent reviews, Dad, uh, this is the first time I had seen this actual character who we referenced when we watched New Mutants, uh, Cecilia Reyes. Beast the shit out of out of uh, Beast for saying you can't keep using people we interact with as bio experiments. You are not supposed to be a bad scientist. Yeah, that, that man, they're doing everyone dirty. Oh man, like fuck, I really love Beast. Yeah, that's just that's just horrifying to do that to one of my char- one of the characters I love. Oh. Well, yeah, because the Beast joins, he's part of the X-Force team, which is essentially the CIA group of this book, yeah, it's, essentially. It's, like, it's the wet works. Yeah, so, again, like, in the name of science, I'm doing quotation, you know what I mean? Like, he's just like, yeah, 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 but, you know, he's always got something going on that he doesn't tell the rest of the team about. There's that whole fucking thing, right? Which isn't mm-hmm. new for Beast, like, he's done this kind of thing before. Um, but well, no, same- but, like, by the end of, like, the first arc of X-Force, most of the X-Men on yeah. X-Force kind of hate him for the yeah. shit he's been doing behind their back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so anyway going dead, sorry <laughs> magneto magneto then threatens every nation on the earth saying hey guess what we're your gods now get 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 used to it or hey yeah. this thing that has no military purpose may find a military purpose yeah 
Yeah, which again, we're not conquering the world. Not at all. And so that's issue one. <laughs> Power, Powers of X number one. It starts out very weirdly. With, <laughs> with it's just a single page, four panel, four panels of X to the power of zero, which is X-Men year one, the dream X to the power of one, the X-Men year 10, the world with Charles Xavier, but with the big old fucking helmet on X squared, the X-Men year 100, the war with Nimrod and X cubed, the X-Men year 1000 ascension with some guy. We do not know who he is. We do not know what he is. It's just a guy. A blue guy. But a guy. Kind of looks like kind of looks like crypto from Straw I think Humans. that's pro I think that's Proteus. No, that's a librarian. That's uh, a librarian. Oh, is it? Okay, it looks like Proteus, because I was told that if you read that story prior to reading this, it would help am- amplify the story, but maybe not. Okay. Yeah, we, we see him we see him like throughout the rest of this storyline. As we as we jump to like year one thousand or whatever the fuck it is, he's he's part yeah. of the, he's part of the Fowling story. That's right, that's right. I remember, I recall that now. Just the, he just yeah, I don't know. He looks like him, but not really. I guess yeah, you're right. He's that librarian who yeah I guess crushes. I, guess I, I wasn't sure. I, is that supposed to be Xavier in the far future? I don't know. It, it, I do not believe it is. I believe the librarian is a like the librarian is. We'll get there when we get there, but it's a, but it's like an argument about post-humanism. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we then we then jump back to year zero. Sorry, yeah, yeah, year zero, uh, year one. Apologies, X to the zero. With Charles Xavier at a fair of some kind, and this is kind of where my complaint about some of the eyes comes in. Because like yeah no I can see that because a lot of the expressions on eyes I'm seeing don't necessarily fit with uh, the expression that's supposed to be on the face yeah there's also a lot of stuff where the eyes are just black dots on skin yeah there's all I was, I was actually looking at that oh yeah it's like speaking of like early invincible art just black dot eyes <laughs> yeah and this is where Which Charles is funny because there's so much expression on the face just not in the eyes yeah. It's ridiculous. Like they show furrowed brows to an extent that I'm not used to seeing in a lot of artwork, but the eyes are just vacant. <laughs> yeah. And so this is where um, Charles Xavier meets Moira. And we get like little tarot cards kind of explaining some stuff we'll be seeing later. And Moira knows more than she's letting on. She knows who Charles is, and he reads her mind and goes, oh. Yeah, we we come back to this scene again like two other times throughout this story. Yeah. Like it kind of this this first issue uh kind of sets up something that you're going to revisit by the end of it because everything else is going to be become a little bit more clearer to you like the in between of like where we're at now. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said the future <laughs> stuff is the future stuff is never going to make sense. No. To me, no, <laughs> no, no. But yeah. Yeah. So, um but big, uh, big change for the X Men. Uh, she was not a mutant originally, but this no, is she, she was just a person who liked and respected Charles Xavier. Yeah, which uh, I'm, I'm glad this story seems to have cured her of that. But uh, yeah, not, <laughs> cured her not, of liking not, Charles. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because like it, this isn't really a spoiler, but she's basically again. I don't know why, but she's using him as a means to an end, essentially. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was the one who was on TV, so I guess you guys know what's happening, right? Yeah. Well, anyway. Again, I've I've already expressed I don't know why people always think Charles Xavier should be the one to save mutants because I don't think he should be. But he can't even anyway. save a school. Yeah. So. We're now in year 10 on Krakoa. Uh, Toad and Mystique get back, and Mystique heads off to hand in whatever the fuck she was hired to steal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, and she makes some demands for some stuff, just helping out. You know, She's Mystique. She wants hers. Despite Charles yeah. condescending moralizing. Yeah, and... Uh- Points to Hickman for following this up because I have been keeping up with his X-Men book since. Uh, the reason that he that Mystique is helping him is very clear and makes sense for her character and Charles's decision regarding her seems like it's going to be the thing Hickman says is going to fuck up everything for his X-Run because like most things with Charles Xavier, he refused to care about individual people because he was helping the greater good. The great are good. <laughs> or do you disagree with me, Nico? No, I, yeah, that's that. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> X-Men are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I got no comment. <laughs> yeah, so now well, we... I, just, I was wondering about your opinion on the plot thing I discussed, but that's whatever. <laughs> yeah. So now we jump to X-Squared, year 100, where... Yeah, shit bad. It's gone yeah. full Terminator. No worse than Terminator. Yeah, it is. It, it, like, Terminator never reaches the point where uh, there are humans in cults to the abandon your flesh. Yeah, like, full on, like, like, full on Hellraiser, like, abandon your flesh. <laughs> Demons to some, angels to others. Yeah, this is another future where, hey, guess the fuck what? Sentinels are a bad idea. Yeah. As a as some general grievous looking motherfucker with his yeah. shock troopers and a giant fuck off sentinel are dealing with just two people. Just one guy, it's kind of gold, looks dead, and then a lady with a black brain. Meanwhile, off on the side is Which does make more sense given if you read one of the dumb info dumps, but Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, off of the side, uh Girl Colossus and Red Nightcrawler are just kinda hanging out. Yeah. Which again makes sense given if you read the Yeah the info they're... dumps, but I don't like that you have to read the info dumps for this scene to have <laughs> any meaning. There are mutant combinations from DNA that came out of the sinister farms, essentially, like of yeah. mutants within this yeah. timeline. The like fucking Charles and whatever they joined up with Sinister, and Sinister ended up creating these various chimeras, as he called them, from the info dump, where it's just, where it's just, hey, I took a bunch of fucking mutant DNA oh. because I had it, which tracks knowing the character, knowing Sinister though. This is a, this is actually a perfect. Oh no! This, uh, this makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. knowing also, Sinister, as I, telling, yeah. as I was, as Nico and I were saying earlier in the chat, uh, 
the book with the books with Sinister in them are probably some of the most fun of because yeah. uh, he's like I kind of hate Charles Xavier in this current <laughs> run, but he's an inter but Sinister is an entertaining <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah like, even the characters who are more amoral than him are like, look at this fucking <laughs> Yeah, like he's very eccentric. M- Mr. He's Sinister great. seems like the guy that Hickman has the most fun writing. Oh, you should see Zeb Wells writes him in the Hellions book and he has even more fun with him in that. It, it's it's like he takes what Hickman did here and yeah, he's 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 fucking hilarious in that. Just very eccentric, very evil, like you know what I mean? Like he just doesn't care. He's trying to track down his own evil clones cuz he made too many of them. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so anywho. Uh, things go south as our characters. I will just name them now because I don't want to just keep referring to them by their own weird things. Uh, the Cyclops is named Rasputin, of course. Nightcrawler is the is Cardinal, and then the Black Brain Lady is Silabel. Those yeah, are their names whatever. going forward. Uh, Silabel's getting taken, and Rasputin is like, "No, don't take her!" But then she gets fucking captured anyway. Yep, with. Cardinal, the only one escaping. And then, a, then an info dump about the uh, mutant breeding program, as well as the very dumb explanation as to why they have powers and where the X gene is located. Because that's it's a, it's kind of the thing that, sh- that has shot X-Men in the foot from conception, in that no one who made the X-Men realized that the people writing X-Men would be massive fucking nerds. Yeah, they, they, well, again, I we discussed this. We liked the idea, like uh, the X Men were created as a way to not have to explain where where superpowers came from. But as the X Men became one of the most popular franchises on the planet, people felt the need to start explaining shit like the X Gene. And as all three of us pointed out, it is never a good idea to try to explain the X Gene because it just makes no fucking sense. Yeah, it is. It is ridiculously. It is ridiculous. It, it is the most comic book bullshit science thing imaginable, but people keep trying to justify it. Like in this one specifically, they point out the exact location on the chromosome. Yeah, that was what. That was that was what. Th- this scene was what prompted um, the argument we had about this. That I was like, you can't possibly tell me that you have pinpointed every point on the chromosome where every specific mutant power could come from in the X gene. I'm like, that's not how that would work. Yeah. And I also, and I also like looked up some other stuff about other explanations for the X gene. And it's apparently also been like X chromosomally linked because of course it was. And then, yeah, which means no, no men can be mutants or at least not powerful ones. Well, no, they, they, Hey, men have an X chromosome too. And actually, funnily enough, if it is X chromosome length, then men are more likely to be more powerful because if it is similar to if it is similar to another X X chromosome length trait, it's say color blindness, then mm-hmm. then within within a female um, anatomy, two X chromosomes, then the other X chromosome, unless that also has a mutant gene on it, it will overwrite the X gene with the X. It'll, it'll overwrite the X gene on the other X chromosome because with two X chromosomes, any differentiating between like any like anything wrong with one can be compensated for with the other. Well, that 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 runs into the fa- uh, into the question of whether or not the X gene is recessive or not. But let's let's not get yeah. into that because. 
we are going down the rabbit hole that we just criticized for going down. So yeah, exactly. In in one fucking comic book, the X gene is just a cell inside the human body, which is not what a gene is. Moving on. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, it's four pages of infographic. Yeah. As we yeah. then get to the Tower of Nimrod. <laughs> fucking. Yep. Which again, I can't take. I can't take the name Nimrod seriously. I know it's a thing in the X-Men before this book, but I still can't take it serious. <laughs> yeah, no. And I can't like, take... It's kind of like how... Um, uh, I don't know if you... This is a YouTube channel I would recommend if you haven't watched it. Dead called Toy Galaxy. Um, uh, there was a Voltron ripoff series called uh, Space Cowboys. Um which uh, their super robot was called the Ramrod, which even in the story, in the book, the, this, the movie video talking about that, just fall on, just kept having snickering happen whenever they said the name Ramrod, just because you can't take that name serious. <laughs> yeah, and I can't take this fucking character seriously, given what happens because in this in this scene in this fucking scene he starts out as you know like these slouching in his throne like cocky ruler or whatever and then he just turns into like a seven-year-old asking permission from his fucking mom to go with hang out in the pool yeah i i don't know what they were what hickman's going for with nimrod because he does come back to him but i don't get it do you nico no, I don't know why his characterization is is like this. But again, I don't know the character too well. I don't know if this is Hickman. Well, the so whole he, point, like, like again, originally, and I looked this up. The whole point of Nimrod was that he was like a kind of, for lack of a better word, like robot, like robot messiah character, mm. and that does not really come across in this book. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. know what Hickman's doing with him. Yeah, and like he's, I mean, and he and throughout yeah. the rest of the book, he is never characterized like this again. No, I do not remember a single instance of him just like begging to Karima, just like, "Oh, please let me do the cool thing I want to do." And then when she does, he goes like, "Fucking yeah." He's pretty ruthless, like in the next scene that you see him in. Like he's just pretty. Yeah, the rest of them seem more in line with like a Thanos or a yeah. Dark Side type character. So I don't get why this scene plays the way it does. Yeah, I mean, fuck. Even in this scene, he's fucking ruthless because what he is excited about being allowed to do is put Silabel in the wash, which is a which is a preservative liquid that like corrodes the mind and uploads its consciousness and all every it and every like useful bit of information into this like mutant archive. Mm-hmm. Where it's just holding all the information and like forming this like massive, like massive non-sentient consciousness of, of every mutant that is part of it. Yeah. Which again, horrifying concept because of the way this, but because of the way the scene plays not well executed. So it doesn't have the impact. I think it should. Yeah. Meanwhile, on Krakoa, that's in space. Uh, Rasputin and Cardinal meet up with Wolverine, Green Magneto, Swamp Thing, and Zorn. Right, because this is a hundred years in the future. Still, right? Is this a hundred? I think yeah, this, this is hundred. This, this is X two. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah, and they are they are working for someone called the old man. Let's fuck you, oh. 
Now we're in the now we're in X three in the year one thousand, and we immediately start on Sila Bell's horrifyingly preserved corpse. Yeah. Which is more techno horror than Eldritch horror. And, and the storyline that I am the most lost. Uh, so like everything in, about the year yeah. 1000, I'm like, what are you going for here? Yeah, yeah. This, this had been the most confusing to read. So, so let's just say that now. Like, so whenever we might bring this up in the sake of time in this discussion, it's going to be it's the hardest to even make sense of anything going on because it doesn't really apply to at least from what I can tell, anything that's happened in this storyline no, so far. Like, is, most, of the, most, of the, most of the X books since House of X, Power of X has had nothing to do with the right. future stuff. So, right. This, I don't know what I don't, was going for here. So uh, I'm just, I've just stuck in full-on Saitama mode. Now, okay. now I don't know if, if yeah, <laughs> I don't know if Hickman is planting some sort of seeds that he somehow is going to come back to by the end of his run, or if he's just saying like this is the path that the mutants would go if if they didn't do the things they did to change their 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 path well, that's, that's the Moira. Uh, again i'm trying not to get into the moira stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, but this that's is always it. going to happen yeah the book says this is always going to happen yeah but um, again, other than that i don't see the point in it really it is yeah, it is no, pointless it yeah. No, actually, okay. The only point of it is to give plot info to Moira to sure. push the story forward. But, That's but the only th- point of it. But like in terms of what any of this means, yeah, it's too vague and confusing. Yeah, this they could have means- made that. Yeah. Go, go ahead. I was just gonna say they could have made that point though in eight issue. They didn't need to continue that throughout the whole miniseries. <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Like I. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't need to be planting the seeds of this that only come to fruition in issue twelve. Yeah. Of this fucking part of this fucking twelve part story. I think we're only in issue four, and we're almost an hour and a half in. So we need to go, Dad. <laughs> uh, we're in issue two. Yeah, this oh, is the God. end of issue two. Though, oh, so means, we definitely have to go for fuck's sake. Yeah, time. we're going into issue three now. But yeah, Just things things is bad. We got blue librarymen and the preserve where people is, and they're all fucking naked. Yeah, issue three. Yeah, yeah okay. move, on, move on to issue three. <laughs> the uncanny lives, uh, the uncanny life of Moira X. I like this yeah, issue okay. quite a bit. I this like this. Is, this is cool. Yeah, it's an interesting storytelling conceit yeah. if nothing else. Yeah. I, I didn't act so here's here's actually a funny thing. I kind of was very confused by, at the beginning of this because I didn't realize how the mechanics of it actually worked. Because when I think reincarnation, I think new life. I don't think rewind to the beginning of the life you just lived. Oh, with the same memories from the previous. Well, like life. what they what the way they explain it is like Moira lives her life, it ends. And then when she's reborn, once her mutant powers activate, she remembers everything that happened in, the in her previous life. But but you learn there is a period of time that you could take her out yeah, prior yeah. to her powers activating, which that other person threatens on doing. I know I'm jumping ahead, but yeah, well, that's yeah, yeah, what's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah, so I think I think that's actually confusion on your part, Birdie, because like she has all of her memories and stuff before she has her powers. It's just not until her powers activate that she can fucking go back in time if she dies. Because mm. like because like her we we see her as like a five year old and she has all her memories. 
Yeah, so I don't know at what point her power, mutant powers. I thought age it was, thirteen. Like, they they seem a little okay. That that was part of the confusion then. So. Yeah. So yeah. So at yeah. So she yeah. So she lives her life, does whatever, then she dies, then she is born again as herself when she was born, and has the option to either live that same life again or live an entirely new life. But she still has all of her memories from the life she's lived. Then at age thirteen, her powers reactivate, and when she dies again, then she restarts again. But if she were to die before she turned 13, then she's just fucked. Yeah. And 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 then, you know, she does meet Charles. And then, like, that's like you guys mentioned. This is when she she, she basically thinks he's arrogant and, and an asshole and doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And, like, he she basically, like, uses him as a puppet almost to basically see the results of what would occur with him getting the knowledge, this past knowledge of all her previous lives and seeing where that would take her. And then she goes alternate routes with it. She goes alternate routes, like, going, let's say, let's go follow Magneto's dream. Let's follow Apocalypse's dream or whatever, if you want to call it their routes of, like, how mutant um like the way it would progress through time like the villains in the story she even goes over to their side and 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 tries to ha- help them out as opposed to charles and the only thing that she came to at the, the the she came to the realization is that charles and magneto have to work together essentially to make any progress at all yeah uh but but then essentially by the end of that she also realizes they're fucked either way yeah like either either way they always come they always will lose Right, like that's what they they came to the realization. Yeah, which is of. why I'm 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 confused what the goal of the changes are. But again, I'm leaving that up to Hickman eventually explaining. Because if the idea is that they will always lose, then is the whole point of the cult just to hide the fact that they will always lose is and try to give the X Men a measure of peace and happiness before mm. before the inevitable apocalyptic end. Yeah, which that's the thing that the seems X-Men, like. If they, which, if the X Men were anything like the X Men are usually portrayed, they wouldn't want that. They would want to fight to change their future. Which this seems like the story is deliberately giving up. But that's a that's a whole plot thread I'm trying not to get into. Yeah. So a long I have to go on with that. Yeah. So let's just uh, let's let's just speed through some of our lives. So life one normal. She had a bunch of kids. Died at seventy four. Life two. She realizes she might be a mutant after Charles Xavier does this whole TV thing. She goes, she hops on a plane to go try to talk to him, and the plane crashes. Life three. Uh, talking to Charles, she realizes, oh, this guy's a cock. I'm going to find a cure for mutations. And she succeeds. She fucking actually finds a thing that could cure mutants of their mutations. Uh, but then a mutant called Destiny, along with uh, Mystique and Pyro, fucking kill everyone. And Destiny is the one that threatens her with being able to see ahead in the future of what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Des- uh, Destiny is a mutant I am not familiar with, but she has like precognitive abilities and is able to like see, yeah. Yeah, well, to, like, see the strands of time. Yeah, I only know who she is because I've read uh, Chris Claremont's Miss Marvel run where he introduced her as uh, Mystique's wife. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And that's a plot. That's a plot thread yeah. that's going to come up. Yeah. Because Charles Xavier is holding, and this they mentioned this at the start. This is what Bertie alluded to earlier. Yeah. yeah that yeah. Charles is holding the promise of reviving Destiny over Mystique's head to get her to do what she wants. Yeah. To do what he wants. Except, as you've as I as you saw in this issue, uh, Destiny herself pointed out to. Uh, 
Mystique, if we ever get to the point where Krakoa happens and Charles and the other mutants try to keep you from bringing me back, then burn Krakoa to the ground because that timeline's fucked. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so Destiny is like, hey, guess what? I know oh, how your powers work. I can work. provide some useful information. Yay. <laughs> yeah, so Destiny's like, hey, I know how your powers work. You fucking do this shit again. I'll come kill you before you're 13 and your powers activate. Oh, BT dubs, you only have a finite number of lives. Maybe 11 if you're fucking lucky. Anyway, yeah, Pyro, mm-hmm. fucking roast this bitch. Life four. Uh, she decides, all right, maybe Charles has a point. Let me fucking dive into this thing. Also, let me dive into his dick. <laughs> and then Days of Future Past happens. Yeah. Not literally, but you know. Life five. Um, more is like, hey, isolationism's great, right? Sentinels kill her again. Woo. Moira six. We don't know yet. It is intentionally skipped over. Uh, Moira seven. She becomes an assassin to try to take out all of the Trask family line. But apparently Sentinels are an inevitability. Yeah. Just apparently no matter what she does in every timeline. Every single in every single iteration of existence, Whoa. someone realizes someone has the fucking brilliant idea to go at, death bots. Yeah, at this point in time, until she fi- figures out that they have to work together, and then there's a whole you know again jumping ahead. There's a whole covert mission that's kind of you know executed essentially to stop the Sentinels. Yeah. So yeah. life eight, she joins up with Magneto. She dies. Yeah. Life nine joins up with Apocalypse. We don't see the end of that one in this issue. And then life 10. She is on what could potentially be her last life. And she decides that, hey, this time we need to break all the rules, man. Uh, This time getting Xavier to read her mind when they meet at Oxford. And hey, uh, I. This is going to be this is going to be one of the dumb things I mentioned saying earlier. I always assumed that Moira was Legion's mom. I don't know if that's true or not. It is not. It is very much not. I I just, I just like, whenever I hear fucking Charles Xavier and the one or two times he's been called on to pretend to be in love with a person who wasn't himself. Yeah. He usually only it's marries or is in love with women who, well, there is one other, but she's a space queen, but, but yeah, like, that's another thing like they, they mention here. The reason he has that she are ship is because he, because the queen of the CR is his fuck buddy. <laughs> so, so earlier the guy I was referring to Proteus is, is, yeah. uh, or mutant X is her son. And she had him with, uh, Joseph McTaggart, not, uh, not uh, Xavier. So that yeah, Proteus so is, is what her son. That's what the, that's who I was referring to earlier. And I think that's why I think it was important. I had heard to read some of that stuff prior to reading this, I guess, to know more about Moira's path in this. I don't know, but that's again, that's going above and beyond. Like, this is what I just heard from hardcore X-Men fans online. Right. No. So. Yeah. But, but like, 
yeah, yeah. just like I, I always assumed that like David Holler, aka Legion, aka yeah. the man with a thousand personalities and their own powers, basically Marvel's version of Crazy Jane. Great character. Yeah, I always assumed that he was the son of like Xavier and Moira. That just Xavier realized he was so powerful and was like, "Hey, random human family, let me just like fucking mind powers go." Here's your baby. But no, Legion. I don't know who. I can't remember who Legion's mom is. Uh, but, someone um, named Holler. Gabriel Holler. Okay. Well, regardless. Uh, again, speaking of. Uh, Charles Xavier only thinking about himself and that fucking him and the X-Men over. Uh, pretty sure the plot away of X, Nico, is built around uh, Legion. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay. Uh, once again, Charles Xavier's dick dooms us all. That makes sense because uh, Cy Spurrier also wrote the uh, Legion series uh, that was uh, an ongoing for a while before all this stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so moving on to part four. We're almost a third of the way through at an hour and a half in. <laughs> uh, so Professor X and Moira head over to Island M in the Bermuda Triangle uh, and try to join forces with, uh, with fucking Magneto. This is in year one. And yeah, like Charles like pumps all her fucking memories of shit into Magneto's head. And I was like, hey, we need to fucking join forces, bro. And Magneto reluctantly agrees. I was like, oh, I guess I'll try to save our people from extinction. Uh, yeah, so that's that. In year 10, in the, in the present, uh, Xavier had found plans for a mother mold. Which is like right. five levels up of the fucking sentinel, sentinel. tree that yeah. I... I don't. I don't. It's so much. No, no I. It's I, so I read much, it and I'm still like, I can't follow it. It is so fucking much. Yeah, and then from there again, you get into more Nimrod stuff and more Year One Thousand stuff of the ascension of man and machine. Essentially, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, the big the big reveal is that hey, there everyone's working for Apocalypse who lives in an asteroid. Ooh, also Nimrod is the fucking cock. I I don't. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, this this. This issue is is mostly that stuff, which yeah, we don't is. we don't really have much comment uh, <laughs> comments. Because, because again, I think all of us are in full insight. Okay, yeah, so much yeah. of it is just that, and then and then with the future stuff that explains like the world mind and the phalanx and what and what humanity is attempting to do in the fucking future, which is hey, let us ascend to the next level of goddamned being. And then we get an infographic explaining different types of fucking societal intellect shit. I don't know. It's so much. It's so much that I'm, means nothing. I mean, really, if you do want to save some time, even after this issue, moving into the fifth issue, that whole fifth issue, again, is dedicated to this storyline in the future. And it really ends. The biggest thing that happens in it ends with Wolverine asking Moira uh, to kill him so they can or sorry for Wolverine to kill Moira so they can restart the timeline. And he gives her that would be much harder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and, and, and he basically he he has all this information 
that he, that they got and he in, he puts it into her so she can take all this information into her next life yeah like like what uh, like, like what was stolen by like yeah. this what was stolen by this group was like was like information about the future and like Nimrod and his like yeah. it has like ascension to power that was then put inside Moira who was kept alive into the future inside a sarcophagus by Apocalypse holy shit this is really stupid yeah, there you go. That that's essentially it. Yeah, like that's, yeah. Wolverine, that's <laughs> Wolverine stabs her, and it turns out this entire future was the ninth life of Moirax. Yeah, yeah, that's issue five. Like that's yeah. the next issue. That's essentially yeah. it. That's, right. that's just issue five. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's basically it. Like that, they spend all that time telling you about this fucking uh, future that 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 is going to happen, and essentially they try to learn how they can avoid this, and she takes that information back with her as she restarts her life once again and uh then in issue six they make the uh they they use that information to take down the mother mold uh basically that is going to bring them to that point in the future uh they they go in as a team and take down that whole mother mold that whole huge sentinel uh head in in the sky uh and and to avoid this ever happening yeah exactly to avoid this future ever happening that's basically yeah well except one of the covers of one of the later x-men issues has nimrod prominently on it so no so So, you know, full on like skynet it's never just one way to skynet there's always multiple ways (laughs) yeah it is it is inevitable but the interesting thing that happens in that issue was they do go in as a team is they basically all die. And then yeah, this so, brings about. Yeah. So, yeah, Cy- you can- yeah, so Cyclops, Wolverine, <laughs> Husk, Archangel, yeah. Monet, St. Croix, or whatever the fuck her name is. Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, and Mystique all head into a fucking Shi'ar ship and fuck off towards uh, the Mother Mold, uh, the forge around the sky, around the fucking goddamn sun. Oh, God. Uh, meanwhile, Emma Frost. Question about that. Okay, never mind. Keep going. Yeah. Meanwhile, Emma Frost is a dick. (laughs) Like she doesn't even walk. She doesn't even come up with paperwork. She just walks in, fucking hot shit, doing weird. I don't know slave name. I don't know shit. I don't fucking know this whole. It's like, hey, Sabretooth is ours. Fuck off. And everyone just agrees. Yeah. I don't, I don't like well well no this is definitely this at this point in time it's the cuckoos i think fucking with with uh with the whole the, and none uh, of it but, but none of it's made clear none of it is there's there's never a no. bit where you see like a cuckoo in the background with like purple shit flying out of her head which is the universal symbol of mind powers mm-hmm. it's just they're just walking around emma frost is just like oh you're also beneath me i'm the white queen fuck off look at my tits and <laughs> basically and then everyone's just like i mean she's got a point <laughs> yeah they don't even attempt they just point their guns there they just point their guns and then and then she just is like yeah he's mine now and we're like oh okay yeah you're, you're right they don't allude to it i just if i see those cuckoos around i just always assume that they're there just to coerce well, yeah, people's because thoughts right i find <laughs> telepath group yeah trained by emma frost and never has a series of words in combination so filled me with dread as hive mind telepaths trained by emma frost yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's wild Anyway, on the Orcus Forge, the Sentinel head in the sky. They get, yeah, they they get uh, they they see the X Men coming. 
call try, try to call back the drones from a di- nearby planet that was mining like resources and we get to see all the different kinds of sentinels like the hawkbuster sentinel the drill sentinel the sentinel with what looks like one leg why seem like sentinels that would have been sold as toys in the 90s when the x-men were arguably at their peak of popularity even if not at their greatest storytelling yeah Oh yeah, so the X-Men land and a guy blows himself up and actually does a lot of damage to the X-Men. Which was a little bit surprising to me. Yeah. And also I also on I don't, initial on, a, on initial read that helped. Yeah. Until I read the rest of the book. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't know a whole lot about Karima. From what I have read, she is a sentinel. Uh, in certain timelines, she's a sentinel. I think in this version, she hasn't re- she hasn't become a sentinel yet. Is the idea? Well, like like looking at her, she looks like a fucking sentinel. She got fucking robot bits all well, over I her goddamn self. Like she's a cyborg, but she's not a full on robot yet, as I understand it. But like, but like my my point is just she never she does not seem like the kind of person who would be on the side of the X Men. No. So it seems very weird to me that when Nightcrawler jumps in and sees her, he'd go, he, he would say, picking sides again, Karima, which, like, she, she's against you. Just that. Uh, yeah, which, again, is also a hypocritical argument. It's like, ah, you've picked sides, just as we have picked, picked sides. sides. And just as we have forced no sides one- upon you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, moving on to issue seven. Uh, back on Krakoa, it's a big old clusterfuck of weird shit happening as everyone's just combining their powers to be able to talk to people on near the sun. Yeah. Cool image, but makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> nope. And yeah, so the X-Men uh, managed to actually pop off like the, the, the Sentinel head is being held in by like four collars that are like keeping it sedated and unconscious while it gains sentience. Uh, they managed to deactivate, they managed to uncouple two of them before things start going wrong. Uh, Mystique gets jettisoned into space, which is very funny. Oh, that was great. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so then Wolverine and Nightcrawler, um, they... Nightcrawler teleports Wolverine out into out into the vacuum of space near the sun as he starts getting disintegra- yeah. disintegrated by being that close to the fucking sun. Yeah, instantly, as soon as he teleports on top of that, like that that part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as he puts yeah. on their fucking, he is just dust. Nightcrawler is yeah, dust. You just, you just see a flailing skeleton behind Wolverine. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like really brave move on their parts. And I know like knowing what's going to come afterwards, maybe they, I mean, I don't think they were aware of that fact that they were going to be saved, like brought back at this point in time. So the fact that he laid it all on the line like that, that was pretty crazy. Like I thought that, you know, for, I, I thought that again, and then you get the Cyclops like bravest man I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bravest man That's I know who ever tried move. to fuck my wife. That was, yeah, that this is the only time Wolverine felt like Wolverine, by the way, in this book. Yeah. Like was this moment. Like I could totally see him doing that. We know that he would be the person to throw himself at this kind of threat because of the way that he kind of, you know what I mean? Like yeah, same thing with that, that damage. Yeah. 
Like yeah, that, they're, well, they're, be- they're, they're best friends. Yeah, right? they're like, bros. So that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. a couple of bros being dudes. Yeah. This was that. He got the characters right in this one moment, these two. I will say that. This was like, okay, I could see them totally doing this, these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we then move on uh, to issue eight something sinister. <laughs> <laughs> As Professor X and Magneto go to, I'm assuming, yeah, bar sinister. <laughs> A- okay, so this. This thing with the cape, the joke, it continues into the Hellion series, by the way. I just want to tell you that. Of course it does. Yeah. He's like, what a wonderful cape. How come you didn't tell me about this cape? He's like, oh, uh, I forgot to mention it. Everything (laughs) with Sinister works. Execute him! And then they chop him up. Yeah. (laughs) He's the only character with a believable personality that's not just asshole. Yeah. And it's so bizarre. Like, it's so bizarre that, like, the guy with the most personality is the guy with eight billion copies of himself. <laughs> Each one of them having a distinct personality that still feels 100% in line with the character. Yeah, I got to give it up to them because I have always not liked Sinister as a villain. Well, in Sinister, the- when he was first introduced, was such, like, a bad 90s thing. Yeah. When, yeah. when Dead and I reviewed... Um, New Mutants, they alluded to Mr. Sinister in it, yeah. and we were trying to imagine what Mr. Sinister would look like if they tried to make him look comic accurate in real life. And right. it was just like a series of, why is this cape made out of strips? Yeah. And why why is it that high? Yeah, and I'm... Why does he have Final Fantasy pauldrons? Yeah, and like, I'm wondering if like, how much I actually really love this iteration of Mr. Sinister is just a, is like a is a factor of whether or not it's really great writing or if he's just so much better compared to everyone else. Well, I will admit like he brings like the problem with like, as we've pointed out the fact that a lot of Hickman's characters are emotionless robots is that there's not really a whole lot of hot emotional highs or lows in this story. So which is funny given that the character is his primary color scheme is black and gray, that he brings the most color to this story out of anyone in it. Yeah. So he's the, like of all the wackadoo characters, he's the one who has a recognizable personality with strong character traits that is made clear and understandable over the course of the book. Whereas a lot of the other characters who I'm more used to having personalities, their personalities are drained from them. Yeah. Like, like, fuck, I am not used to Storm being a cold-hearted bitch. But, oh, no. Like, like she, in- she, when we get to her, I will fucking have some complaints. <laughs> but that's next issue. With this issue, um, yeah, they have they've approached Sinister and they're like, hey, make a data bank of mutant shit. We need it safe. We need it secure. We need it. We're done. Let's fucking go. And Sinister's like, why the fuck would I do that? Who the fuck? Why the shit would I introduce your goddamn <laughs> bullshit into my fucking diamond? And then he immediately gets shot in the fucking head. And he's like, hey, I'll fucking do it. Yeah, the other says, I'm the mutant, Sinister. Yes. My, <laughs> I'll take yeah, over. my mutant power is overthrowing tyrants. Yeah, he's like, I'm the Sinister with the mutant gene. I'll take over. Yeah. <laughs> And and, and and the best is the sinister butler. He straight up just looks like a butler, but he yeah. looks like sinister. He's just Mister Sinister who's a butler. And, and, and yeah, just as soon as he walks, like he he was the guy who was executed because he did because he yeah. failed to tell Sinister he looked good in a cape. It's a crime, sir, an outrage. Honestly, I've always thought you should wear one. What if you already thought that? Why didn't you say anything? 
Execute this man. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that scene. This entire I, scene I is fantastic. It. Yeah. This yep. is why I think if any of the, I think if Dead's gonna like any of the spinoffs of, the, yes. of, the, of this, he needs to read Hellions. Absolutely. I would. I, yeah, I, I would say Hellions and Marauders are the funnest of the of the books that launched. Well, um, my only problem with Marauders. Oh, is that the Emma. Who's yeah, not a bitch never mind. Is, uh, <laughs> every character in 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 Marauders who's not a bitch is uh, Kitty. Uh, oh no, Kitty, who they yeah. kill in yeah. issue two. Yay! So, More death. It comes back. Okay. But yes, of course yeah, she fucking does. Yeah, yeah, knowing what we know, yeah, you got to read Hellions. Though. This you book read Hellions, has expedited the. This book has expedited the death. Doesn't matter so much. Well, they made it literal. Like, so it yeah. was just a matter of like by the nature of comics, death doesn't matter. They'll always find a way to undo it. This literally built death. Death doesn't matter in as a plot point. Yeah, which we'll get to. So. Anyway, yeah. Which this is the worst part of Charles Xavier being in control, but we yeah. won't go there. <laughs> yeah. So this entire scene ends with some Charles Xavier fuckery, like most scenes. Yeah. As we then jump to the beginning of the Krakoan uh, settlement, as yeah. Charles brings Cipher out there to begin the good work, as Cipher is dressed like a dressed like a fucking the '90s member of the New Mutants, and Charles Xavier is dressed like a colonialist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very appropriate. Yeah. He's he's actually also because dressed like most things about Charles Xavier. He approaches it like a mid twentieth century Westerner. <laughs> if if I'm remembering correctly, too, I believe he's also dressed like his sister from the Morrison X Men run. Cassandra uh, no, Nova. I think so. Yeah, the, the she wore the same hat. If I'm not mistaken, I believe in that. Oh, well, I mean that oh. makes sense. They're both oh. horrid monsters. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, Did I think come up in the X run since this. I can't remember. Nope. that's surprising. Okay, yeah. so I, this is something we haven't really mentioned up until now, but not, and it's not mentioned in the actual book itself. I don't think. I think it's either it is either information we learn later or information that is uh, like in, been okay. given in previous books. But like the Xavier we've been following has not technically been Xavier. It's been the mind of Xavier in the body of Phantom X. Yeah, that was never that was not made clear in the book. But. Yeah, the only reason I fucking know this is because within the Wikipedia descriptions, it begins with part one. Somewhere X in parentheses, Professor X's mind in Phantom X's body wearing a different type of cerebral helmet. Is that still canon though? Because that came before this, and I don't know if they've yeah. continued with that. I don't know if it's still canon. All I know is that according to okay. what I have read, it's canon in this story. Hmm. There is an infographic where they do mention that somebody, when they ta start talking about the backup data of Pete's, um uh, memories and all that, like that he uses with the resurrection protocol, which we're going to get into in a bit, uh, they do mention that there's that you could do it yourself if you were a powerful enough telepath. And they slightly mention that ex that Xavier has already done this twice. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they, it's never in the story it is it is a big throwaway in one of the infographics and i thought that was interesting because like we haven't actually bear witness to that in any of the stories so far that yeah, he well, come through, right so i thought that this, was weird but if this is true and this is actually what he is then i'm pretty sure that in this story professor x is literally just cassandra nova because isn't cassandra nova just an incredibly powerful telepathic like consciousness that exists outside of a body 
No, like she keeps taking bodies, but yes, she has essentially surrendered her original body for the sake of some form of like psychic immortality. This is a good theory, actually. I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Also, <laughs> I, I'm kind of surprised Hickman hasn't done anything with Cassandra Nova yet because maybe maybe he's trying to avoid using her because it would draw too much attention to how well, much everything about well, Xavier sucks. But well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was again the other theory that was going around. Like I said earlier, that that uh, with him wearing the mask all the time throughout this first part, uh, a lot of people mentioned that's you know also like the whole Zorn thing that Morrison did in his run, right? When yeah. we didn't really know who Zorn was that whole time when he was wearing that mask. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it turned out. Yeah. It, it, so I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of big reveal at some point that Hickman has planned down the road. But I don't I don't know if any of this has anything to do with what he's going to reveal. Yeah. Like, it, it also helps with um, two other things we've already commented on. A, that all the all the eyes look dead and empty and all the artwork, but also that um, uh, most of the characters are emotionless robots. So why not hide most of the face? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so talking to uh, talking to Krakoa, uh, we learned some history about him, about he how he's bros with Apocalypse, how like demons invaded or whatever. And this whole thing is this whole thing. I'm assuming is just like either entirely new information that they're going to be getting into in later X books or things that oh, I should oh, already know. The the stuff with Apocalypse and the ancient war thing that's a setup for later. Okay, so that's because that's X of Swords. Is that what that's called, Nico? Where yeah. they go into like the the ancient other world that yeah about a war with so confusing as shit so as i mentioned to birdie before recording like you start to see now kind of the bare bones of like of this is the ideas i am now setting up for these other writers to take in directions of all their individual titles that launched out of this like powers of x house of x because uh that's the excalibur storyline essentially that you follow throughout this that leads to x of swords yes okay yeah yeah meanwhile something useless in year 1000. It's the phalanx. It's, it looks like Warlock, but not because mine stuff. I don't know. And. Keep going. And yeah, like that. This whole fucking thing is like just this weird digital immortality hive mind shit that I don't have time to yeah. really get into. The less said, the better, honestly. And it's not. It yeah. doesn't seem to care about, really. So. Yeah. Or if he does, he has not made it clear to us why he cares about it. Yeah, so we'll just skip all that and go into the next bit of horror. Yeah. With the (laughs) resurrection protocols and the five and the immortality of the X-Men. So. Uh, uh, Okay, well, a question about this I just realized. Shouldn't Wolverine then have bone claws? Yes. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, just it's. Yeah. He, he doesn't uh, have genetic metal. Yeah, he's no. not. He's not. He's not um, Colossus. Unless they, unless they fucking go through the effort no. of every time they bring Wolverine back, putting him through the fucking Weapon X program again. Which well, I would not put it past Xavier to do that. But. Not at all. <laughs> so anyway, the five are right. Hope Summers, um, Elixir. Uh, Fabio Mendez, Fabio Medina, apologies, <laughs> Ava Bell, and Proteus. Which kudos to Ben uh, for him picking up on the the only good thing Bendis did with the X Men Gold Balls. <laughs> Your boy Gold Balls is moving up in the world, baby. <laughs> 
I love that he picked that up and actually made like a like a hidden a, a integral part part of the. Uh, we, uh, we could never find a purpose for his yeah, power. No, yeah, <laughs> like I, I thought that was very clever though. Which yeah, I was it's like interesting. <laughs> it's kind of clever, but also kind of dumb because I'm about to explain it. Yeah. So gold balls. Yeah. He makes gold balls. Apparently, they're eggs, but non-viable <laughs> eggs. So then they need Proteus, the man who can alter reality to make them viable, which is to say he makes gold balls, which are just balls of gold. But then Proteus points at them and they become eggs. Like it's so power is still pointless. It's just with the help of someone else, they're less pointless. Yeah. With with the power, with the help of a man who can rewrite the very fabric of reality, your powers can become useful. Yeah. Moira's son. Which I mentioned earlier, yeah. 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 So anyway, gold balls. Make some gold balls. Proteus goes humana 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 at him and they come and they become eggs. At which point they are injected with genetic material that is that is taken from the fucking sinister reserves. Elixir uh gives them a little fucking boost as they become as they start like, you know, replicating cells and become like, you know, working embryos. Ava Bell um, and uh, uses time powers to accelerate the aging of these things to make them the age they were when they died. And Hope Summers is there for moral support. I don't know, man. Like I, I did not know that was Hope until they said until they named her, until they actually said her name. Mm. What did they say? She says, "I'm gonna bring up the page because it's been a while." I like this as a concept. I think it's really, I I, I like this. One of the core concepts that makes this a, again, it's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It is, it is very bold. And I, and I will, and I want to know how far they go with it because this is the most existentially terrifying part of all of this. I think. Believe me, dead. The more you know about how Xavier does this, the more it, more it will terrify you because, well, one, um, Charles often, sometimes like does like a individual file uh, delete before he installs the new version in some clones. Like he decides certain people uh, don't need to remember certain things because it's it's not. Yeah. 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 There, there, there's whole books dedicated to these ideas that he sets up here. I mean, and even the death protocol itself, that that's the X factor. Uh, investigations book essentially deals with uh, deaths of mutants and to investigate what exactly happened to them and whether or not they should actually resurrect these people because sometimes they're finding the reasons that they're dying like they shouldn't resurrect these people because there was some foul play at work in in this. And Charles also doesn't update his cloud drive regularly so sometimes when mutants come back they're missing a few weeks of memories. Oh like that that's weird because like in this book in the infographic about the resurrection protocol they say that he updates weekly. Yeah, well, but that's true. But then in Way of X, because they in, in the way, first issue Way of X, uh, uh, Pixie dies, and, and uh, Nightcrawler had been having this conversation about her changed taste over time on Krakoa. And then when she comes back, she has no memory of the stuff she learned to appreciate on Krakoa because Xavier never updated her memories. Great. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the X Men they come back to life. Everyone who died on that mission is back alive. Woo. And then Xavier, yeah. um, and then Xavier, uh, using the using the backups he has, injects their fucking minds into these empty shells. Well, as I just explained, his version of their yeah. minds. Yeah, he he injects the version. Yeah, he injects his own interpretation of their minds into them. 
uh, as we also get a callback. I think that's the most existentially terrifying part of this whole process to me, that they call it a cloning, but it is a cloning in the sense that it is what another person thinks of you, not what you think of yourself. Well, it, well, which, it, is, it is a cloning in the fact that it is making a one-to-one genetic copy. And that's yeah, it. Well, it's, it, it. Yeah, so that's cloning. But the idea that it's the same person in the clone because of the memory transfer is the part that most... Because, like... Unless because if Xavier just literally like downloads a copy of their mind without any editorial mandate, which again, as I just pointed out, he does. Yeah, he only does. Then that means that everyone who comes back is just his view of well, who they are, not who they actually are. Which, from it, a self-actualization standpoint, is literally terrifying. And and, and and it's not only that; it's only a certain backup. So, really, anything pa- that went, ha- occurred past the last initial backup of that person's memories that he made is uh, it doesn't exist anymore. When they yeah, get like arrested. I said, he doesn't update yeah. the hard drive. Yeah, and hey, you know who might have an issue with all this? Goddamned Nightcrawler. The devout Catholic with objective proof of heaven. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. Hitman writes uh, Mystique sneering at him for believing in uh, religious beliefs in the face of the X-Men. So, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so fucked. This entire thing is so fucked. <laughs> and again, it's all just more sore of the everything's fine. Again, as we've said over and over again. The cult of X. Yeah, and we and we now get into the most cult shit. Yeah. As Storm, you know, classically proselytizing and religious-like Storm. The person who was worshipped as a literal god and was still incredibly level-headed about everything. I fucking hated this. Yeah, it's now the cult <laughs> keeper. But they all have an orgy after this, so it's all good. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, Kate, you know, um, Nico, I'm sure the Jonestown people sure had a lot of fun before they literally drank the Kool-Aid. So, yeah, it's fine. Yes. Everything's fine. Yeah. So it begins with so this entire ceremony begins with Storm calling out to the calling out to the waiting masses to worship and love the five, the ones who enable the miracle of resurrection to happen. As then the as then the reborn mutants step out, all butt ass naked, all kind of cool with it. Yeah, and they 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 literally ask one thing, and that's proof that this is truly a proper the person reborn, not just a weird clone in Xavier's image. Yeah, it is. Which it is a I, massive calling. Like, I'm sorry, I kept hoping at some point in Hickman's main book he would address that idea that like. Like Storm would then ask another question outside of the ceremony, and it wouldn't be the answer uh, she was expecting. So that she was then horrified. Oh wait, what have I been doing? To your point, <laughs> to your point though, Bertie, I think the pro- many of the complaints that I have heard about people commenting on Hickman's run post this in the, the X-Men title has been that he hasn't addressed any of these fucking things yet as yeah, of yet. Like, so also kind of a problem because yeah. as we pointed out to to Dead, part of the timing with this is. Hitman's run ends in two months. Like he's, <laughs> he's backing off being in control of this, like sh- showrunner of this in two months. 
So a lot of the stuff that addressing core issues he brings up, other artists and writers have had to address it. He doesn't address it himself. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he just didn't think about it. He's going to be doing another title, though, he said. It just hasn't been announced yet. He is going to be doing a different title. If yeah, but set. I mean, yeah. again, this is weird for an ongoing series versus a yeah. comic. I don't yeah. like series where important plot threads and character issues are resolved in tie-ins, not in the main book. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. We all have, we all agree there. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But anyway, yeah. So this entire fucking uh, ceremony is so goddamn weird because this like massive call and response with every single person involved. So unless Charles Xavier, so unless they've been doing this forever and have gotten this shit nailed down, I can only assume that Charles Xavier went like stepped up in front of them, went, "Hey, look at the birdie," and then just like projected this ceremony into all of their minds, so they all have their religious fucking call and response down. Because, because mm-hmm. she fucking like, because like storm comes out, I was like, I was like, I see them. Do you? And everyone's like, we see them, but do we know them? And then she goes through the ceremony of, hey, what is your name? They give their mutant name and then their actual name. And how do I know it's you, brother, sister, whatever? They say the one thing, and it's like, this is my, this is my whatever. I know them. And it's you. His name is this, but they are more. What is he? And then everyone screams mutant. And they do this like nine times. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, fuck, it, fuck, fuck. Yeah, and it just gets worse dead because, uh, again, uh, referencing Way of X, which is why Nightcrawler is one of the few characters that starts to start stop drinking the Kool-Aid in this. Um, the problem with the resurrection ceremony and uh, Charles' only answer is, I understand your concerns, but... Uh, it, Nightcrawler points out that this glorification of the resurrection ceremony means that not only is light is death meaningless is uh death meaningless in like the story sense, it also doesn't mean anything to the characters, so life is meaningless. Yeah. So they literally have they literally have teenage mutants doing the come on, go go kill yourself, it'll be fun, then you can resurrect, it'll be awesome. Yeah. And then, oh god, the fuck! Oh god, the fucking crucible. So anyway, we now move on to diplomacy. Fuck the crucible, Nico. Fuck the crucible. <laughs> yeah. We now move on to diplomacy as Emma Frost is in the UN wearing a wearing a sports jacket with nothing underneath. You know, diplomacy uh, attire. Yeah, because again, it's because it's Emma Frost. He's often been a character that's shown too much skin. Like again, remember again. Speaking of Morrison, remember her absurd outfit in the Morrison. <laughs> <party>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one that was all crotch. <laughs> that, like... It was all crotch and was like somehow like the X was made yeah. out of like the skin rather than on the outfit, so it was like tied together at one yeah. point. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck me. Fuck, fuck. You know, she she was trying to seduce Cyclops. So, <laughs> yeah, by just by psychically disguising herself as Jean Grey, which what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but don't worry. Jean was cool with it after she psychically made them fuck in her grave. <sighs> and yeah, so this is just this is where Emma Frost just straight up admits, "Yo, I mind fucked a bunch of these goddamn politicians to yeah. give us a country." And yep. uh, and Charles Xavier says, "Okay, thank you." 
Yeah, you saved me the effort of doing it myself. Yeah, no, that's what I. That's what. That's the moment I immediately was like, okay, no one, no one can say Charles is the good guy here because yes, he literally yes. explains why why Emma's actions are immoral and wrong. Yes, and his only response is, oh no, there's no. There's I, no follow up for that. It's just I, thank you for doing that. <laughs> I agree, Bertie. This is rereading this. I was just I, I actually thought there was gonna be more moments like this from what I could recall because I feel like since this has wrapped up, like there's been more moments where we're like, okay, yeah, these guys are straight up the bad guys now. It feels like they're right at least the way Hickman's writing them. But yeah, this moment is is really, really bad. Like Xavier, yeah. like this is really bad what he does here. Like, like, there were people and I I looked online as I was reading this again who were like, just if you go just based on House of X and Power of X, there's no proof that Charles Xavier is out and out a villain in this. And I had to laugh out loud after that scene. Because yeah. I was like, there was nothing, like the story itself says, this is a bad thing, but thank you for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I need to get my commentary way. on politics at that point. That's yeah. just your characters are dicks. Yeah. And uh, so I... We've been, we've been skipping over the infographics lately, but I want to talk about this one because I find it very funny. Um, it's, okay. it's it's a little infographic about the, is this uh, the Mr. Sinister one. No, this no, this is the one. This is the one where oh. they kind of explain uh, the fourteen nations that all that all like rejected Krakoan overtures yeah. and just kind of like, hey, oh, we don't right. want any kind yeah. of trade treaty with them. And for one thing, I didn't know Madripoor was a country. I thought it was just a city. It is. Well, I mean, it's a country in the sense that, like, no country wants to deal with it, so it's technically sovereign. So. Yeah. But then the funny thing to me is just in Africa, like, every African country is just, <laughs> yeah. is just hey, the Wakanda Economic Protectorate doesn't let us. And then Wakanda is just, we don't need mutant drugs. Yeah, that's kind of fucked yeah, up. Which, again, <laughs> again, that's going back into, like, again, Killmonger's argument from the Black Panther movie. It's like, you have all of this, like, I think there was actually a joke in the original, the Black Panther run from the 2000s that uh, Wakanda had technology to cure cancer and they just hadn't shared it with anyone because they're isolationist assholes. Yeah. So great. Thank, thank you, Charles, for learning from that great example. <laughs> yep. Anywho. Although I'm actually kind of surprised T'Challa's not on the Illuminati. He was for a while, he- but he left. Yeah. Like when the Illuminati formed, he was on it, and then they started going, "Hey, what about other shit?" And which and T'Challa's like, "Yo, y'all are fucked. I'ma just, I'ma just, bye." Yeah, the 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 uh, Captain America mind wipe was the last straw for a lot of people on that. Like, even though they they all agreed to go ahead and and do it, uh, that that fucked with a lot of their uh, you know. Yeah. Their way of, and speaking, uh, of and speaking of mind wipe shit, uh, Nico, I didn't realize this until some another comics fan, uh, I might plug her channel at some point if I can find it again, uh, pointed out, um, you know how we talked, we've talked about like bad stories informing the way people write certain characters and that's kind of sucky. Yeah. Well, um, for until basically, this is strange, until the new 52 where they recontextualize it, the story that that colored how everyone wrote Zatanna in DC for the longest time was fucking infinite. Yeah. 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 That's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so after the nightmare that is mutant diplomacy, uh, apocalypse and a bunch of the other, like a bunch of the other undesirable mutants show up on Krakoa and they all submit to the will of Charles Xavier. Yeah. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. The, Pay no attention to the purple energy coming out of my head. Everything's fine. Right. 
But the no, big don't deal. Worry about the, don't worry about the island watching you. It just does that. Uh, the big, the big deal was though uh, that he finally got, uh, of all people, Apocalypse to agree to come to Krakoa by the end of that, and like yeah. you know, basically. Yeah. Although yeah. again, from the uh, the again from the info dumps, Moyer pointed out it was never a good idea to bring Apocalypse on board because he would never go along with what their actual goal was. So he ultimately fucked them over. Yay. Same with yeah. Thank you, Charles. So even, so even so even the story itself is pointing out the stupidity of its own plot points. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Moving on to part ten. Uh starts out with Xavier talking to Forge about, hey, I want to be able to I want to be able to like I want to have mind backups. Again, I really like this idea. I do. I think it's really. Yeah, no, I, I really. I, I think where Hickman succeeds the most is in interesting sci-fi ideas, not so much necessarily in like compelling characters or a well thought-out story to like use those ideas. Like I know it, it's better thought out than a lot of other stories like this, but I sometimes feel like the way uh, Hickman writes the story, he's writing it to get these ideas in, not necessarily to tell the story he wants to tell. But, mm-hmm. Right. Which is why people have criticized, again, the dialogue and character moments that he normally infuses in his stories. He just he, he just uses these things as ways to move his concepts forward, I find. Like, it's not that you're getting great character moments a lot of the time with his stuff. And that's why, you know, again, like, as you mentioned, Bertie, at the start with the robotic, fucking cold, lifeless, whatever uh, <laughs> interpretations of these characters, right? Like we've talked about. Uh, yeah, that's his big criticism. And I, I find at times that is the case, right? Anyways, go ahead, uh, Deadman. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, after that, we move into year 10 where uh, Xavier and yeah, Xavier and uh, Magneto both, both just essentially bribe Emma Frost into working with them. Yeah. It's like, hey, you get, you get sole distribution rights for this for this miracle drug we're working on. Also, you get a council seat on the fucking thing. You get to rule this fucking land. And also, we need Sebastian Shaw. And she's like, okay, I'll yes. do it, but for one more seat. Right, which you don't see in this, but that eventually goes to Kitty, uh, and hence that the the Marauders book. This kind of sets that whole thing Again, up. Again, I don't know why Kitty Pride and Emma Frost are often paired because it's such a like yeah. nice girl douche bitch combo. But I, yeah, I don't. She I also don't she also gets the fifty years contract for the trade routes for uh, delivering these uh, these uh, flowers yeah, around. You know, again. Uh, and this is going to come up more as we deal with the council stuff. Like, corporate monopolization, that's one of the things that surely Charles, as a rich white guy from the West, learned was the best way to do everything. Yeah. They, 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 they may talk a big game, but Krakoa is probably just going to end up being America. Yeah, Sebastian Shaw does they point that work. out. Even in their conversations at the council, he says that's the one thing humans got right was yeah, like money. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. And so we and so it's in this where we get a bit more um like look into the like what the government of Krakoa is and, and like how that actually fingers. how that actually works. And it is a twelve man council broken up into autumn, winter, spring, and summer councils, and then kind of off on their own thing. Krakoa itself and Cipher. Uh, we, we will we will get more about what the actual council is when they fully 
go into that. But yeah, so we also get to see um, we get to see like Charles putting the call outs to every mutant, saying, "Hey, come to Krakoa. It's cool here, baby." And including to name, including Namor, and Namor just tells him to eat ass. <laughs> Which again, true that's to the character. <laughs> yeah. Namor has always been. I'm kink shit of underwater fuck mountain. So fuck all of you. That's yeah. always been his thing. He, he, yeah, he, Marvel has, I think, largely given up trying to change that. <laughs> he literally says, "I've already I understood that I'm better than human. So why should I come up here?" <laughs> like he, he basically says that. He's like, "I've already considered this long ago. I'm glad you're you finally come around, but at the same time, I still don't believe you." Like Namor actually still thinks he's not a hundred percent like with it, like against the humans still, he still thinks he has some ideals left in him. Like of the old Xavier's dream or whatever. Well, like, yeah, I, because, I like, well, yeah, because like, like Namor is one of the characters who is the weirdest to be considered a mutant. Yeah. Cause like he is like the King of Atlantis or whatever. And it just, it like, he has never really experienced. He, he has no connection to, like the mutant struggle or fucking whatever. Yeah, like he's Atlantean. He's not humans. <laughs> but I guess he's like a. I guess Let's Charles Xavier again, again oversimplifying mut- mutant culture thing. I guess Xavier just considers all Atlanteans like uh, underwater mutants who just haven't learned to accept their place in the culture. I'm sorry, cult <laughs> yet. Yeah, in the culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, and then there's some year one thousand shit. Woo! The phalanx, yep. the phalanx are going to absorb digital consciousness and then eat the planet. Yep. Yay. Okay. Moving on. And then Xavier, yeah. Xavier, well, then oh, yeah. Xavier broadcasts the uh, message of. His deal to the humans, essentially. Oh, that, 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 that's, the of, that's the beginning of issue eleven. It's an issue eleven. Oh, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Yeah, yeah no, okay. like, like the differentiation between issues to issue in the trade is uh, very not good. Hard to gauge. Oh. Yes, <laughs> it's because you you see all the infographics uh, splitting it up really the storyline. Like yeah. <laughs> release this as a whole story and not like individual issues because I'm. I'm trying to imagine reading this as it came out, and it just seems like it would have been a nightmare. But even if it was read in order. Yeah. So anyway, underneath Krakoa in Moira's No Place, which again is the weird Krakoan tumor. uh, Charles Xavier puts on his fucking new fancy helmet and broadcasts out to humanity saying, hey, we made these drugs. You want them? Give us country. If not, eat my ass. Yeah. Which, okay, I w- this is one of my last big points I was saving. This is about Charles Xavier. So I want to ask you all a question before I go into this screed, because if not, uh, if you guys disagree, then I won't go into it, because it just gets to be my misinterpretation. Does Charles Xavier ever read like an activist? No. Uh, I wouldn't say so, no. Okay. Because... The dynamic people have always compared Charles and Magneto to would be Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. (laughs) And 
on the one hand, like, well, okay, Malcolm X is not a genocidal madman. That's highly disrespectful to yeah, it uh, is like it, X. But like, but I get, I get <laughs> the idea. Like, it's it's the it's, idea, it's the idea of like they are both going toward the same goal, but one of them is going through like peaceful means, the other one is going through like way more aggressive means. And, yeah. he, and he's speaking for yeah like, his people essentially but, like, the mutants, right? Well, let's, like, let's, let's, yeah, but let's focus on the Martin Luther King angle first because that's what Charles has often been compared to. Martin Luther King was not passive. Yeah, he he was not like disengaged. He had to actively engage with politicians, allies, police, media manipulation to achieve his advocacy goals. Yeah, like Charles if, has if, always approached the same stuff from the perspective of a of a entitled white dude who just thinks who thinks he is an activist. And strangely enough, speaking of African American icons that he really should actually be more compared to, the better comparison is not Martin Luther King Jr., it's Booker T. Washington, whose whole thing was uh, if we just succeed on our own, the white people will eventually accept us, which nothing about the X-Men books would lead to you to believe that that approach to things would ever work. But Charles kept doing it. Yeah. And now he's just approached another of the which is why. And this is my ultimate screed about Charles's perspective. His politics has always been either passivity or giving up. Mm-hmm. And. Here he's gone for giving up, and in particular, he's he's given his whole every mutant has to be on Krakoa thing. He's mimicking. I don't know if Hickman did this intentionally or not. He's mimicking a prominent, um, which was considered at the time to be pro African American um, policy view in the late nineteenth, early twentieth century, called the Back to Africa movement which was the idea that African-Americans cannot live in amongst white people. So they have to go back to Africa for their own sake and establish a, a nation of African-Americans independently of any other African nation, because it is just impossible for African people of color to live in white culture. And that really feels like what Xavier is saying is his ultimate triumph here. And I think I'm causing dead pain. <laughs> it's it's a lot. No, that's very interesting. I I I uh, I, I got to say, like in my, I always just taken it as like he was he was doing this as a more of a means to an end, essentially. Like I I don't think he had he ever has had the answer of how to approach this thing between him and and humans, right? So I I get what you're saying with that. I, I I you think that that was purposely what he was going for here? Or you just you're just looking at the parallels of well, like uh, it's just like if if Hickman was not aware of it, then he literally copied a lot of the same mm. talking points and political views of the back to Africa movement. And if he did that completely by accident, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like it is. I didn't know that. I didn't know all that. That's very interesting. For those who don't know, Bertie's a history teacher. teacher. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was. I was getting schooled there. I wanted to hear what he had to say about that. Yeah, no, that was all super super interesting. Yeah, I was trying to keep all of that short because I've taught entire lessons about those concepts, and it was just weird from my perspective to see Hickman hitting these points, Mm. and it was just reinforcing my view that, oh my god, Charles Xavier considers himself an advocate in the sense that, like, he's a white guy at home that, like, likes a page on Facebook. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. 
<laughs> anyway, moving on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's cool. Moving on to issue eleven. We now know who is on the council. We have the full council, which is Professor X, Magneto. Which, okay. Oh, yeah. let, let me let me I'm glad Kitty's there and I'm glad Nightcrawler's there. Uh I don't know how I feel about um Let me uh, run down the full list. Okay, sorry. So Professor X, Magneto, Apocalypse, Mr. Sinister, Exodus, Mystique, Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost, Redacted, Storm, Jean Grey, Nightcrawler. That turns out to be Kitty. It's not at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then they also go in and they also talk about the great captains, which sounds very culty. Like just that title. Yeah. Yeah. This is basically everybody in this circle just posturing and so- giving themselves self-congratulatory pats on the back. And I'm glad other books do it in the future. It doesn't really speak well for, again, I guess this is supposed to be a good thing the way this all plays out, but um, like like Nightcrawler never questions anything, Storm never questions anything, Jean Grey, who has had a lot of problems with Charles over the years, never questions anything about this. I, yeah. I mean, I mean so, Scott has always Scott has always been a simp, but I'm I'm not gonna go there. But. Yeah, and so and so this entire thing is just them. Uh, essentially setting up the first three laws to build mutant society around and then also sentencing Sabretooth to something because the man needs to be in prison. Which, give me a moment. So, our three laws for mutant kind. The first law, fuck. Yeah. Just that's it. They, They need more mutants, so just, yo, get fucking. Yeah. Uh, the second law: murder. No mutant shall murder a human. Right. And then you think the third law would be: no mutant shall murder another mutant. Oh yeah. But no, it is. <laughs> it is respect this sacred land, which is a very verbose way of saying this island is a person. Be cool to him. Which also did, okay. And this is what this is my last major point I was saving. Um, so again, referencing uh, the book that was previewed that I that Nico I was and I were commenting on, where Reed basically goes up to Sharp and says, "Thank God you're a bigger dick now than I am." Um, a further proof of why I need again. I'm sorry for being a meme at this point, but the further reason I need She-Hulk back is. <laughs> If actual Jennifer Walters read the legal <laughs> system of Krakoa, she would shoot herself. Yeah, because okay, I, I'm I said I wouldn't do any more uh, history lessons, but I'll do one more civics thing. Do you guys know the difference between letter and spirit of the law? No, uh, maybe. Okay, so all three of the laws as decreed by Charles's idiot council are very spirit of the law and that they convey what he wants to happen. But the problem with legal codes is that if you just try to convey what wants to happen, that doesn't really give you a structure for how to play things out and leaves things very Mm. vague, obtuse and easy to manipulate. Yeah. Like there are, there are reasons that laws are, idiotically complicated to read. Well, yeah. and even to that point, 
they already discuss here. Yeah, we can't kill men unless they attack us first. Then it's in the name of, of war, and then it's okay. Like they even no, state yeah. that here. <laughs> well, and then the same thing. Like given what some a lot of the mutants do to humans in future books, clearly, uh, don't kill humans does not include torture cause pain to psychologically manipulate or harm in any way that could potentially be worse than death. Right. But that's the problem with, like, if you just go with, this is what you say you want, but you don't set the the, the me- mechanisms in place with yeah. letter of the law, clear instructions, then you're stuck in a position where you have lovely goals, but you have, have no real intention of actually carrying them out or enforcing them. Yeah. Which is what all of this reads as. Yeah. And I'm sorry I had to go down that. No, that that, that, that is fine. This like I, I will bl- very soon I'll be getting into a thing that I've been taught that I want to talk about. But uh yeah, so after they sentence Sabertooth to the set to be rightfully imprisoned, uh it gets the thing that like I, f- I fucking hate this entire they say that they will tolerate no prison on Krakoa. They will there will be no prisons here. So instead, they put him in deep stasis inside Krakoa, aka maybe a prison. Yeah. So actually, so not a prison, just a prison. A prison. <laughs> and it's even worse than a regular prison because it's fucking in, putting him in a mentally induced coma and keeping him suspended indefinitely for a fucking eternity. Yeah, well, and what's worse is not that not only that it's a induced coma, but but apparently he's still somewhat conscious while yeah. in the coma, so he's ju- he's he's mentally aware but physically incapable of accomplishing anything, which is possibly possibly the most terrifying type of yeah. prison I could possibly imagine. Yeah, yeah. this it, is it this is, is a super cruel cruel it, thing that they did to him, yeah. but at the same time, fuck Sabretooth, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no. again, fuck Sabretooth, but like. If the idea is that we're supposed to think that yeah, this is a utopian no, I society worse <laughs> than any legal system on the planet, even Russia's. Oh, and also, <laughs> it's even dumber because they said, hey, we would kill you, but that would trigger the re- resurrection protocols, which, hey, you guys have complete control over. You can just not do it. Yeah. yeah. And as we point out in a later issue, the well, X Men are just choose the the council is just choosing which mutants they want to resurrect because it, it they don't want the implication. Well, but that but that's even even the structure of that scene though is even really really well done. I felt because if you look at that panel after he fucking falls into nothingness, you just see like the uh, an upshot of Xavier looking. Uh, into the hole saying you're exiled and then he and then he basically goes on to say like yes i know it's very distasteful as everyone's like walking away like very sadly yeah hopefully we don't simply don't buy it because they're walking away sadly but emma frost is smiling yeah and then and then and then he's like yeah hopefully we don't continue this and then it just goes to full-on orgy like (laughs) yeah it's just full back and again that's that's a that's a a tone shift thing that doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. The idea that like you would go straight from possibly the most horrifying prison ever to <laughs> right. yay, yeah, <laughs> just... yeah, it, yeah, it's just it's just full on like like super Gitmo to yeah, we're in Ibiza, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I fuck, I hate this, I hate this. This yeah, is this, that was kind of fucked. Yeah. This is my, he- <laughs> I think this is my hell. 
and yeah, like oh oh god, oh god, oh yeah. god. And characters you hate and fear are in charge of your of your hellish prison. Well, so that was issue eleven. Yeah, <laughs> that was issue eleven, and like. I kind of okay. I'll just I'll just say this because I can't think of a better time. This society is doomed. Oh yeah, like no. from the ground like, up, but- every aspect of this society is so horribly fucked that no matter what happens, this society will collapse in on itself and is doomed to fall. Like fuck robots. Like if human if humanity somehow never fucking got to the point where they made sentinels. If if sentinels technology just was lost for all eternity and mutants were just allowed to flourish and whatever, this society would crumble in on itself in a matter of months. Yeah, which uh, by all indications seems to and uh which seems to be Hickman's point based on his story, like the few plot threads from this that he has followed up like with Mystique and Destiny mm-hmm. have basically set up that Charles's idea for how to make this sustainable has only created something that is in no way sustainable and will tear itself apart at the slightest uh, scrutiny. Yeah, like like the so, whole like the whole thing with this entire fucking idea is that so much of it is solely dependent on like one or two key people. There are no systems in place. It's just individuals. Yeah, so it's a cult. It's literally a cult of personality. Yeah, for like people that have no personalities. <laughs> Yeah, like, like within the council itself, within the ruling body of this fucking thing, there are so many conflicting ideologies that is not like it's not like you know, it's not like a typical political thing where it's like one people lean a bit more left, one people lean a bit more right, and we gotta find a place in the middle. No, it is some people are literal monsters, other people are like other people are just fucking like Nightcrawler, like Nightcrawler and Apocalypse cannot be on the same fucking council, <laughs> and. No. And so, like, that is fucking doomed to rip itself apart. Charles Xavier is such a fucking demagogue in, in this entire, like, civilization that so much of it revolves entirely around his being. Like, the fucking, like, resurrection protocols. One dude gets a lucky shot on Charles. That entire thing's done. Yeah. Like, like Charles is never going to fucking teach someone else how to do that shit. He is so up his own ass about his own fucking place in this society. Uh, that- unless um, uh, the writer of Way of X is so brilliant that they set up Legion to be able to do it since he's even more powerful than Charles, even if he's batshit crazy. Yeah, and, and like even the five themselves, you take out any one of the five, then everything's done. No one can come back. Mm-hmm. It's so much of it, so, so much of this is entirely dependent on a single person. Like, hell, fuck. You kill Cypher, no one can communicate with Krakoa. And, and and that's the one thing I will say, even though I said a lot of these things, I felt he was very self-aware and doing and being deliberate on, but I don't know if he simply wanted to cause some of these clusterfuck like issues and ideas for the other writers to kind of take hold of when this was over and see where they ran with it. I don't know if he wanted to write them into a corner. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I really don't know. Like, I know he's the architect of all this kind of stuff, but like sometimes depending on uh, the writer, they're more hands off than others. I would feel he would be involved in everything like i know that they've done throughout the pandemic they've i've 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 heard that and i've seen online that they've they've talked about having meetings on zoom calls together all of the writers with the xbox and being making it more of like a like a team kind of thing right so i i don't know but i just think that you're right he did set up a lot of these ideas to fail 
somewhat right and yeah it, it, yeah so it's it's interesting i i don't know what i don't know what which uh direction he would what he wanted to go with that if he kind of told them like listen they they need to reach these endpoints, and you kind of can go crazy with it however you get there whatever yeah. right so or, much of or, so much of this is just we need to i i fucking i i kind of want to reach out to hickman to see if he'll come on a show so we could just ask him questions that would be awesome, but I, I doubt it'll, it'll, never, happen. Oh, it'll, yeah, never, it'll never fucking do, happen. But he doesn't do many interviews from what I know, like yeah. even on podcasts. I mean, so. what I what I'm looking forward to is he's probably going to be asked questions when he gets to the end. And when he gets to the end, I want to see how much he personally and I, I guess maybe his, his his side books, because his side books clearly are also planned out by this. Uh, how much he ultimately pays off because there's a lot of this, as we said, it might pay off in future books, but it's also the kind of stuff that it seemed like maybe it's the coloring. I feel like this should have had a different color warmth at the end of it, because this feels like it should have not be so like hyper happy and more sort of like foreboding. Mm, Yeah. Maybe mm. that's what's causing the discomfort because like if you think of like if this is a this is not a happy ending, it's not even really a happy beginning because this thing is already so fucked that by the end of the first act, we're like, okay, there's no way this is gonna survive. This is fucked on so many levels. So maybe the choice to make it seem like a happy ending is the problem. Because if this made it seem like more like this is at best a bittersweet way to start something maybe it would play better but it just this is the the way this ends with like a triumphant let them try to stop us now that feels like the wrong tone to end this on yeah, i think it's i think it's a fault of the coloring in this because like with this shot in like with like the final page in particular which will like we're in the final part but i like whatever like if you just like change the coloring a little bit on this page, it turns into the ending of Robert Eggers, the witch. Okay. Of just, oh, the Vavitch. The yeah. The Vavitch. Yeah. Yeah. A new England folktale. Hmm. Like, 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 yeah. like it's just like, like either like, 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 like drop saturation on the colors, remove the fireworks, have it be, have it be like more of a, like, downward shot or something and just show and just show like Xavier and them just kind of standing there staring at they're just like fucking flying thousands upon thousands of mutants in the sky and he, like keep the yes let them try but have it look more foreboding of it being like hey we are a society of every single person is the has the capability of a walking nuclear weapon come yeah. at us or I mean hey use one of the images that Hickman already had the artist use that would have added a foreboding element to that same scene had Krakoa looking at the mutants as all this was happening. Yeah. Just, just like somewhere in there, you just see his weird fucking demon eyes. Yeah. Just like some indication that this is not happy. Like that's the, like the problem with this ending is that it feels like it's supposed to be happy, but nothing in the story suggests that this is in any way a good or happy progression for mutant kind because it's both going to cause an even worse conflict than would have happened anyway, and also their own society is now doomed to destroy itself and rot in ways that very few cultures on Earth have. Yeah. yeah. It is wild. But anyway, issue 12 starts with issue 2. 
Yeah. It's literally, I think, the same panels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It was just the the exchange of Moira showing all her past uh, lives and knowledge to Xavier um, in yeah. order for him to figure out which direction to go in next, essentially. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not even like like after after the bit that's about to happen, we follow up with that getting like the getting like the you know the finality of that. But that beginning bit is literally just the pages from issue two. Yeah. No, I know the same panels, same everything they reused for this. Yeah, yeah. it's like I said, it, it repeated. I think three times. I think like, 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 <laughs> like, like going back to that invincible, going back to an invincible joke. Yeah, yeah think, right. think no, that's the artist lazy. lazy. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to you? Think, Charles. Think. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's a that's a good joke. Oh, that, I still like. I kind I kind of really panels. like I kind of really like the think Mark think meme that's been coming out since the end of Invincible season. Oh one. yes. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, just think, yeah. Sauron. Think. That were what good is, yeah. What do you have when everyone's dinosaurs, but all dying of cancer? <laughs> dinosaurs. I still have dinosaurs. <laughs> that was great. That that might have been my favorite one. But anyway, yeah. So now we get, I guess, the point of X three X cubed. Because in the future, in the preserve, a thing mentioned when the when the X when the year one thousand stuff first showed up, it is. It's a it's just a wildlife preserve where they keep the last remaining mutants, which is a bunch of fucking jobbers, uh, Moira somehow and Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get why she's somehow still alive. I think the implication. Yeah. I think the implication is that for whatever reason, Moira started getting like blood transfusions from Wolverine. Yeah, or stuff to like, stuff to give her some degree of like extended life, if not immortality, so that she, she could live long enough to properly use her knowledge in a new life. Yeah, like, like the librarian says, um, like you've done well surviving. Fortunately, you two have the same blood type. Uh, and and it, like he talks about like a millennium of depending on one another to survive. And yeah, so he just has he, yeah, so he just fucking set this up to just, according to him, see what makes them tick. Uh, and the librarian, uh, so again, the phalanx, the fucking uber space society, is going to destroy the planet Earth and absorb it into itself. And the librarian is not happy about that. So he intentionally gives them the opportunity to, like, send Moira back in time. As yeah, so Wolverine kills her, and we get the reveal that this is her sixth life—the life that we learned nothing about. Yeah. yeah, which explains nothing. But then you know, then it cuts to her saying again, "This is the revelation of uh, of uh, Xavier finding out that no matter what happens, they end up losing." And the question I actually wanted to pose to you guys is. At this point in time, because she, Moira even kind of says it by the end of this conversation, uh, he's, she acknowledges, even though she previously stated that he's an arrogant dick, uh, that there is a good part of this person still. But yet she's going to be the one that breaks it to make him go in a completely different direction where they could possibly succeed. Do you not feel that Moira is just as guilty a party in this at this point? No, as obviously. Like, yes, no, right. That's why they Definitely. hid her away. That's why, right. because if Charles, 
Charles and Magneto realized if the rest of the mutants figured out what Moira knows and why why all this is happening, yeah. they realized, oh, we're fucked anyway because this right. is built on this is the, this house of cards is built on so sand. Who's more of the villain then? And, all and of them. It's, no, it's, but it's, it's a triumvirate of Moira villain. and Xavier. Moira, 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 Charles, and Magneto, because all of them planned yeah. this together. So, yeah. Which is why it's going to be funny, Dead, at the end of the summer, when the next big X event after the summer is the trial of Magneto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I'm assuming the start of that is just going to be the judge going, all right, look, all you are kind of fucked, but Magneto's the most like Hitler, so fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> Like, uh, I, yeah, I, get, I get where you're coming from. Moira is the catalyst into all of this popping off. But like Magneto, like like fucking Magneto was always pro- probably down to clown with shit like this. But Charles well, fucking dove in dick first. Well, listen, regardless, they would all have ventured down these paths anyways. Like, but not to the degree that they've gone at this point because Moira gave them the knowledge well, of what was to come in a way or what she's learned from previous lives. Not what's to come, but what's what's so. So I'll just say that they're all uh, like they're all guilty in, in, in what they're doing. here. Well, like, of like, course. like that, that brings um, that brings up like another like fucking debate about the predestination of things. Like if 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 mutant right. if mutant society is doomed to fail, no matter what. Why then, are they bothering? Well, like, well, like, hey, why are they bothering? And B, if they are do- if they are fucking like doomed to fail and everything is predetermined and everything is predestined, then isn't this iteration of Charles already predestined and Moira just accelerated it? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and also even if you think that like there is an idea that like somehow this is better for the overall survival, if everyone's doomed again to quote, like, I don't like quoting Joss Weed moves anymore because the man. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> but, uh, to quote to quote Vision from Age of Ultron, a thing is not necessarily beautiful because it lasts. So, yeah, I would I again this is like it's not as compelling a story idea, but. If Charles were not a monster, he might argue that mm. if the X-Men always lose, he might try to build or make God, maybe he thinks this is the beautiful society that X-Men should always have, in which mm. case, fuck you, Charles. You should be <laughs> mentally lobotomized I, and never survive. But Yeah, I, 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 I will say, though, I think the first time around reading this, I don't know if I realize as much, even though it's clear cut and very clear, like obvious here that she is a part of this. I don't think it, I walked away. Um, because like you said, we are used to seeing Xavier as the person that speaks for these people at the forefront of this whole kind of movement that I didn't actually consider Moira equal parts, a part of like this wrongdoing that's occurring at this point moving forward. And and, and they they haven't even touched on her in any of the books, as far as I know, really since this. The only thing they've touched on with her is the whole, she's the reason that they haven't brought destiny back. Right. Which is starting to piss Mystique off, which is why the thing that Hickman predicted in this and, book would happen, which is that if the if well that Destiny told Mystique, if they don't bring me back because they think it's for the greater good of mutants, then yeah. fuck them, burn everything to the ground. And yeah. that's supposed to come to fruition in the uh, the uh, newest upcoming uh, event between the books, uh, the Hellfi- Hellfire Gala. That's yeah. supposed to apparently come to to close this in general charles i know that like you're listening to moira but i would have thought you would be smart enough to listen to the to think about the idea i don't want the traitorous shapeshifter who has destroyed countries plotting against me maybe i should give her what she wants yeah (laughs) um and also like i 
so I just I just reread like the ending of this of this book again and like holy fuck this is so fuck like the tone of this feels so like, this, this has to be fucking intentional <laughs> like like the way yeah. like, like like the way that Charles and Magneto are talking to Moira yeah. like like and all this is because of you there's no denying what you've done Moira you shaped us into this you made us into this it has to be intentional. It has to be like yeah, I yeah, can't like, like from the from the looks of it. Like if I'm like, a way to read this is like the way the two of them are talking is that is like you have made us into the monsters we currently are are like like it is your fault that we are like this and that this is all happening and now it's time for you to step aside and for us to get back to what we should be doing. Which I don't know if that is like better or worse about this shit. It is so it's so fucking neat. It's so like this. Like this, yeah. this, this book is frustrating and terrifying in a lot of ways, and I still think I enjoy reading it. No, it's, it, it, it's ballsy and interesting. Like it is again, different. Like yeah, it's it's yeah. I hear what you're saying about the frustrations. Yeah, it is a choice. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I I I I I hear what you're saying. Like I don't know. I want to say outright. Like I enjoyed the read because there was po- po- uh, points of it that were conflicting. But I I did like it. Like I, I I liked reading this again. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. No, like I'm glad we picked this because few books have inspired as few like few main two books have inspired this much like interesting debate as this book has. Yeah, there are parts that. Like I will say, it depending on whether or not Hickman sticks the landing, there are parts of this that will suck if he doesn't. But um, as on its own, it is a intriguing sci-fi, essentially like a long-form what-if story. Yeah. Instead of like a one-off. I also find it in also find it immensely funny that in the last two issues, while the party's been going on, Apocalypse is sitting in the corner, just all sad. <laughs> of course he's like well this isn't my kind of fun yeah <laughs> it's like these damn kids and their edm music all i want i just want to eat my all i want to do is murder people yeah. i just want to eat my prunes and commit a genocide it's saturday night it's story time and then genocide <laughs> yeah <sighs> so yeah that's that is house of x powers of x yeah. I, still, I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I think that was longer. Was that longer than Invincible? No, uh, I don't think so. We actually did. We actually did pretty good in this second uh, second hour past the. Even though we were only on issue two an hour, and we did pretty good yeah, that no. second and third. Yeah, th- hour. yeah. This this is about fifteen. This is about fifteen minutes shorter than Invincible. <laughs> All right. Well, like this was more densely packed than Invincible was. Uh, there was some crunchy shit in this. I will say, as I was saying to Bernie before we started recording. Oh, no, absolutely. I agree with like the shit that didn't make sense to me. Like I said, all that future stuff. But um, other than that, I felt at least for me, because this was my second re- like read of this series. I felt it wasn't as dense as I, I thought it was initially. But maybe that's only because this is my second read through of it. Uh, if you're saying that, Dead Man, maybe that is the case. Um, but I felt it well, was it, a little bit more. It, it, it was easier to read. This it may have just time. been dense to me because I spent most of it just with my like asshole completely clenched. Yeah, but, but the whole thing dead was just like, 
I don't want to contemplate what this means. Oh no! Like, like, like there were multiple times where, like, I had to just stop reading and just like nervously laugh to myself for half an hour. Oh wow! <laughs> that's that's that is only a slight exaggeration. <laughs> oh, so that was House of X, Powers of X. Thank you all for joining us. Let's do something lighter after that. Something so fucking much lighter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like we need. I feel like we need to start doing like hubba bubba comics. <laughs> the jokes are oh. so fucking bad in those. <laughs> They're so bad. Bazooka well, joke. Two, uh, <laughs> two, two things. Um, one, uh, dead. I found um, your. Uh, well, we we've got that comic i i told the venom comic i told y'all lined up and it's gonna be we should probably do it some point this summer to prep for let there be carnage comedy of maximum carnage because as far as i can tell the story of that is what if maximum carnage was a buddy comedy yeah like that that fucking trailer (laughs) i will say this for that neither i I say neither (laughs) i will say this for that trailer that made me want to watch the new Venom movie more than any marketing for the original Venom movie did. Yeah, well, it I, I'm, I'm concerned because the things that were amusing about the original Venom movie, which I guess we should probably riff that at some point, they fell they fell ass backwards into. They didn't do it on purpose. So, and I think this is them trying to intentionally do what they fell ass backwards into. Oh no, yeah, it looks awful. Like I'm not I'm not sitting here going like, yeah, it looks it's like the comedy looks pretty good. No, it looks like hot fucking dog shit. But it looks like also a fucking train wreck that I want to watch happen. Yeah, it, uh, I will wait and see if it's entertaining enough. Like I can enjoy myself with uh like you obviously, Nico, do you know the infamous lines from the original Venom? Uh, no, I don't think okay. so. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. But, uh, uh, okay. so like the, the, there's a couple of them. Uh, I'm the, sure I've heard you guys say it before. On uh, this one is, uh, on my planet, I'm kind of a loser, like you. That's one of the <laughs> right. big ones. Uh, the one that I much prefer is at the end when the love interest looks at Eddie, by which I mean looks at the screen and says, I'm sorry about Venom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most most of my Venom riff comes from the Eminem song. Yeah, the oh, Venom. <laughs> Davilan. Bad, because when you watch it, you won't know what hit him. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's, the, also, that's, that's the equivalent of the Titans intro for me. I almost want to overcut uh, the Eminem the Venom song with the Titans music just to see oh, how God. bad that combo is. Man, Eminem needs to shave that fucking beard. Ever since he grew it, all his music has been dog shit. <laughs> It's like all the nutrients also, that it's like, um, it's like all the nutrients he uses to like write songs had just been going to feed the beard. Yeah. <laughs> but also, Dad, uh, this is something I mentioned to you re- yesterday, but I didn't get your opinion on that. Since Nico is not um, as familiar with Power Rangers as we are, it might be entertainingly bad to do. Uh, as part of their uh, comics release, Boom Studios collected a bunch of earlier Power Rangers comics in like trades. And they have one trade that collects, and let me bring up uh, the quote they have 
and I'll I can send it to you if you're curious. Uh, where this is their sales pitch for, and this only means something to me and Dead. Stories from the greatest Power Rangers teams in history, like Turbo, Super Samurai, and Mega Force. <laughs> oh, is he still laughing? Whoa. <laughs> I think he just went who too high pitched. The the yeah. mic didn't pick him up. He's gotta wrap up the show. <laughs> those why the fuck are those the ones you try to sell the book on? Well, as you can you can hear, guys, it sounds like you'll have an interesting show somewhere down the line. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be picking a, a much a much more mentally light show after this. We'll be picking something fun, but until then, I'm dead. I'm Birdie, and I'm Nico. We will see you guys next time. Oh, my chest hurts. <laughs>